to the program, uh, another gray, foggy day in KW, um, fog advisory, of course, as you've been hearing on uh, the news and the weather advisory. It's just we're advising you. They advise you that there's fog. It's not a warning. It's not a lookout. It's just, you know, fog usually just gets an advisory. But it's gray. How do you like, you know, the gray? Uh, last week, I can't remember when it was. I think it was last week. I went outside and there was this big ball of fire in the sky, and I, I didn't know what it was. I had to ask somebody, and they said it was the, uh, the, uh, the sun. And I was like, what is this sun you speak of? And they explained it to me, and I was like, yes, yes, I think I remember this uh, sun from years ago. I, uh, man, it's just been the greatest January, I heard Mike yesterday talking about the warmest year uh, on record that we had last year. Uh, this has got to be the foggiest, grayest January on record for a while. Uh, it's my, it's among, I would say I got two least favorite weather conditions. One is, is wind. I'm not a big fan of wind. Uh, secondly is just the gray, whether it's foggy or cloudy or overcast or whatever you want to call it, just some gray. Give me, Give me a snowstorm and then bright sunshine. Give me a, a rain and then bright sun. Just give me some sunshine. Need the vitamin D, you know. But hopefully, anyway, we'll get you through the grays today as uh, I sit in for Mike Farwell. Mike is traveling with the Rangers. One of the reasons I come in and fill in for Mike every once in a while is uh, he's either taking some some uh, well-deserved time off, as they say, or... Or he's traveling with the team and unable to uh, perform both duties. So traveling with the Rangers, and you'll hear him. Uh, it's tomorrow night, is it not, uh, in, in the Sioux? So uh, in the meantime, I will be here today and tomorrow for Mike Farwell. Hey, speaking of junior hockey, I mean, you know, you hate to concentrate on the negative, but hopefully we're dealing with this now in a real way. And I'm talking about the sexual assault allegations going back to 2018 and Canada's junior team in London. And as you've been hearing, I'd say in the last 24 hours, uh, five players uh, have been called to uh, turn themselves into London police. And we now hear, and the Globe and Mail has been reporting a lot of this, but now we've all kind of heard it, that uh, London police will, in fact, be pressing charges on these five players. Now, the Globe and Mail or anyone um, locally or in Canada that I know of, no one is really saying who those five players are. I'm not going to say who those five players are, although I strongly suspect that I do know. I will tell you this, if you are, in fact, curious as to who the five players are, and again, I'm not going to say it because I don't have the the actual evidence or the, you know, the journalistic backup that I need to say these are the guys. But ESPN feels they have the information correct. And what ESPN did is they went um, uh, uh, through the NHL and other professional leagues and found Five players, and remember it's five players that have been called to London. They found five players who have uh, asked for and been granted uh, indefinite leaves of absence from their teams. And 
the there's four players playing in the NHL in North America, and one is a former NHLer currently playing in Europe. And if you look at those five names and compare them to the 2018 roster for uh, Team Canada Juniors 2018, uh, those five names are on that list. So, you know, if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. If you are that curious, you can do what I did. You can go to ESPN, um, find those names, compare them with the roster, which is also readily available, and conclude for yourself that these are likely the five guys. I assume that they're going to be named eventually anyway. I think they should be. Um, I think they should be, even though it's alleged in legal terms at this point. Uh, I think they should be. And, and you know, London police following up. Now, you know, they did this as a result. They, they probably could have done better in 2018 and 2019. They did not. Hockey Canada probably could have done better in 2018 and 2019. They did not. We know of the changes in Hockey Canada uh, since this story became um, became the talk, if you will, and became more widely known. Uh, we've known the changes to Hockey Canada. I think those changes are positive. Uh, I'm thinking that... Um, Safety generally and culture changes in uh, sports, in team sports, especially coming uh, to Canada and are here. Uh, dare I say, I think even uh, the the great women's hockey league that we're now watching, which is fantastic hockey, isn't it? Uh, I think that helps women being involved in a sport at a team level, at, a, at, at especially hockey, which is Canada's thing, right? Uh, has all going to contribute to changes in the culture. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. London police, I'm glad to see they're finally bringing charges. Now, they could have done better, but, you know, what, what is the old saying? When a donkey flies, you don't blame them for not staying up that long, right? So they're doing this, and hopefully we can um, we can bring this forth and, and eventually put the ugliness behind us and move forward with a sport that, you know, most of us really love. So... I'm hoping, I'm hoping for that. And as I say, go online, find those names if you're that curious about it. This is the Mike Farwell Show. I'm Larry Fedorik. More in a moment. I'm Larry Fedorik, sitting in for Mike Farwell today and tomorrow. Mike traveling with the Rangers. You'll hear the game tomorrow night in the Sioux. Uh, we were just talking about the junior hockey uh, charges, the London police, that story kind of breaking this week, continuing story. Uh, 2018, 2024 here. Gosh, uh, it's, I, I guess it is, yeah, it is a shame. I don't guess. It's, it is a shame that it's taken this long, but, um, wheels are in motion. Wheels are in motion. Uh, we have our flip side coming up at 1130 this morning. We're going to ask you a question. Uh, I think we've got a good one lined up for you. Uh, I'll tell you about it later. We have our, um, our 12 o'clock talk back at uh, noon, noon to one. Uh, today and I'm planting a few seeds for that to get you thinking about things. Uh, of course, it's whatever you want to talk about between noon and one. But I'm I'm just saying I'm not saying I'm just saying. Uh, there was a great report this morning. I don't know if you heard this story. Canadian Pediatric Society came out with a report that basically says, "Get the kids outside, <laughs> right? Let them play outside. Let them fall down. Let them scrape a knee. Let come on." Let them be more autonomous. It reminded me, because I did a podcast on this 
oh gosh, a few weeks ago about helicopter parenting. You've heard that term. Uh, that, that's basically what this Canadian pediatric report says is enough with the helicopter parenting. And if you, if, if you don't know that term, that's just like parents always hovering, 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 you know, let's just put pads and helmets all over our kids and bubble wrap them and hope not, you know, it's like enough already. And I'm not saying that, you know, let them go play in traffic. This is, this report is not saying that. It's just, come on, let's climb some trees. Let's go tobogganing. Let's, let's get outside. There uh, is this woman named Lenore Skenazy. And I discovered her when I was doing this, this deep dive into helicopter parents uh, she is a, it's a great story. I'll share it quickly with you. She's a columnist in New York city and she's downtown one day with her, not like New York. They live in New York. She's like at Macy's or something one day with her nine-year-old son. And she's like, all right, it's time to go home. Let's go. Let's go. He doesn't want to go. Come on. We got to go. I got to go. He doesn't want to go. He's having too much fun looking at stuff and whatever. And she goes, okay, I'm going to go. Here's, um, Here's some subway tokens. Here's a subway map. Here's a transit map. Uh, here's some quarters for the telephone because you don't have a cell phone. You're not getting one. You're too young. Um, and here's a $20 bill. Tuck that away and be home by 5 o'clock. And she goes home. Now, she admits kind of hovering by the phone and being a little nervous. But uh, he made it home. He made it home. Not only did he make it home, he was thrilled he was so happy and and just emboldened by his experience that he got to do something on his own successfully. And she just thought that was just uh, great. So a couple of days go by, she decides to write about this in her column in the, I think it was the Post, but anyway, in New York paper. And guess what happened? Uh, by the next day, on social media, she is dubbed world's worst mom, right? World's worst mom, because she let her nine-year-old take the subway home in New York City. This is not Lubbock, Texas, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, this, the New York City. But she stood by it. And since then, she's developed this uh, organization called Free Range Kids, which I... The name I love, Free Range Kids. And she's teamed with like child psychologists and stuff to have this group called Let Grow, which is just basically, and they actually go to schools, uh, and not only just elementary schools, they go to high schools and things. And, and they encourage kids to have, they do programs through the school where kids get to do something on their own that they wouldn't normally do there and it's can't it doesn't have to be take the subway alone it could be uh one kid was thrilled because he got to go down to the corner store all by himself and buy himself a muffin and come home another kid got cooked dinner because he wasn't allowed to use the stove but his parents allowed him to use the stove and he cooked dinner for the family like it's this kind of thing and so when the canadian pediatric report came out with that uh, or society came out with that report today i said good for you good for you i think it's time it has been time for a while to kind of Free-range kids, let them go a little bit. Uh, here's George on City News 570. Go ahead, George. Good morning, Larry. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. The memories that came back when you mentioned that nine-year-old kid, that happened to me when I was eight. I was eight years old. 
I'm in Portugal visiting family, and they go, you know what? We can't drive you back, so we're going to put you on a bus. When you get there, walk the two, three kilometers to where you need to find this house. I was a little bit scared because I, I don't know that area of Portugal that well. I get off the bus, and I get to that town. I walk the two kilometers by myself. I found a home, and you don't know how good I felt. I accomplished something. Eight years old, all by myself. It was a great feeling. And it, it, it probably contributed to the person you are today, I think. Definitely, because I felt yeah. I could do it. I'm eight years old. I don't know this country. I'm on a bus with strangers. And you know what? I did it. I made it. I got to the door. Everything was fine. Excellent. Great memory, George. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Yeah, if you get a chance, you don't have to read the whole report, but Canadian Pediatric Society, Just the gist of it is we need to get more autonomous kids. We need to, you know... We need to get our kids outside and playing and playing with each other and being social. And, and of course, uh, no phones. Okay. <laughs> phones for another time. This is City News 570. Back in a moment. I'm Larry Fedorkin for Mike Farwell. Oh, I know what I wanted to add at the beginning of the show. If you're just joining us, I was talking about the charges that London police will lay against five individuals uh, from the 2018 sexual assault uh, allegations, uh, Canadian World Junior Team. The reason they should be named, and at the beginning of the show I said to you, um, you can find them, uh, ESPN names them. And ESPN's logic is that these five players have asked for indefinite leaves of absence from their teams that have been granted them. Four players in the NHL in North America, one a former NHLer in Europe. And if you look at those five names, they are on the roster of that 2018 Canadian junior team. The other reason they should be named is because there weren't five players on that 2018 roster. There were 25 or whatever the number is. Sorry, I don't know that, that what the team roster total is, but there's a bunch of other players and they're all probably going to be painted with the same brush until uh, the, the actual names are named of the, of the five London police feel they have enough to bring charges against. Okay. So, so it, it really sort of, if you name the names, it'll clear the other players, which I, that's the other reason it should be done. I want to add that. But, and if, and if we're going to be talking about it later, please don't name the names. If you're going to be calling the show, I'd rather not, I'd rather not name the names, uh, but they're out there. So what, I, what I'm saying, uh, that'll be, uh, talking about maybe something you want to talk about in our noon hour, uh, 12 o'clock today. It's the 12 o'clock talk back. Uh, it's uh, all up to you, whatever you want to talk about in that hour. At 11.30, also relying on you for our flip side. That's the regular Thursday feature. I will tell you that uh, the question I have is a movie question because the Oscar nominations were out this year. Just, uh, gosh, like a dozen at least wonderful high-profile movies uh, nominated that uh, that I haven't seen. And uh, once again this year, I'm like, yes. I'm going to watch all those now. I'm, yeah. But I still haven't watched the 12 from last year that I promised. I was. Nevertheless, in our flip side, I want to ask you about um, the, what is the remote dropper? What is the movie that if you're flipping around and it's on, that's it. You stop, you watch it. I got a couple of them, The Godfather being the obvious one. Um, if it's on, that's it. That's done. I'm watching this, right? So what's that movie for you, movie or movies? That's going to be our flip side question at 1130. Uh, we're also going to talk today about the health care uh, crisis 
in Ontario. I'm looking forward to have uh, the assistant professor of nursing from the University of, uh, University of Ottawa, also endowed chair uh, in nursing at the uh, Children's Hospital for Eastern Ontario. She's going to be coming on. We're going to talk about um, the health crisis. And, and the, the headline, I'll tell you, said the academic perspectives. And I thought, you know what? Isn't that interesting? Acad- I they are academic, but there's so much more than that. They are academic implies that it's, oh, some big thinking, talking head somewhere, uh, not in touch with the reality. This woman is a professor of nursing and nurse and uh, talks some real basic frontline uh, stuff about health care uh, and, and health care as opposed to taking care of the sick. And that's a distinction she makes. So we're going to have that conversation later on in the show. Hope you can stick around. We're also going to be talking about a, uh, a youth impact survey uh, that just took place in University of Waterloo, or excuse me, not in Waterloo region, not through the university, although uh, the people doing the survey are involved with several different organizations. So uh, that's coming up, youth impact, this this social, school, uh, environment, uh, everything. And I'm going to have a, a good number of uh, guests on that coming up. And just in a few minutes, if you can stick around, Neil Lumsden is going to join us. Neil Lumsden is the Minister of Tourism, Culture, and Sport, and in the region to award some uh, Trillium Foundation grants. What are those? We'll find out in just a couple of minutes here on City News. Here's special guest host, Larry Fedorik. Mike is uh, away from home. He's on a road trip with the Rangers, the voice of the Rangers, traveling with the team. He'll be back on Monday. I'll be here today and tomorrow. Do you notice what Christine said there about Justin Timberlake? Did you notice just a little phrase that she said, the 42-year-old released a new song? And I'm like, 42? Okay. Why should I feel old? Because Justin Timberlake is 42. I don't know. I don't know. It's just just kind of hit me a certain way, a certain way. Well, but I can move on. All right. Uh, our guest uh, is the uh, Minister of Tourism, Culture, and Sport for uh, the Ontario government. Uh, he is uh, in the region talking about the Ontario Trillium Foundation uh, and their uh, capital grants, which are going to several organizations in Kitchener-Waterloo. The minister is Neil Lumsden and joins us. Hello, Minister Lumsden. Hey, Larry. And, and and your comment about Justin Timberlake turning 42 is somewhat sobering, isn't it? Doesn't it make you go, like you'd said, you know, we're just a little bit older than we thought we are? Maybe. <laughs> like, like, I, I, I was feeling pretty good until you led with that, by the way. Just I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a Justin Timberlake fan, so uh, that keeps I like him, up. too. You know, and, and 42, it's like, well, he's an adult now, like me, I guess, because... <laughs> Perhaps, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the, these grants. First of all, what are the what are the Trillium Foundation capital grants exactly? Well, the Trillium Foundation uh, is funded through our ministry, and they do such a tremendous job, especially the grant review teams throughout Ontario, to receive applications and then look at and and make decisions on grants going into communities in Ontario, obviously, and. What we have, and I find on an ongoing basis, and I will again today, with my friend and colleague Mike Harris, who does such a great job in, in the region, that these grants do so much for so many community, uh, well, 
support community programming and allow the community to thrive in many different ways, especially if a, if a building, as an example, needs to have some retrofit done, whether it's a, an ice rink or a curling rink that the power plant uh, is failing uh, because of lack of maintenance over the years. Uh, it, everything and every grant that I see and I'm part of, and I think they're all this way, do such a great job of health building communities and stabilizing some of the areas within that community that really welcome and, and support the people that live in the community, whether it's recreationally, again, curling, sport, um, arts, culture. And it's very gratifying, to be honest with you, Larry, to sit back and, and talk with people, mayors and, and people in the community that, that are so grateful uh, to receive the grant through OTF. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned some of the variety because I was looking through the list of some of the Durham uh, recipients, and it, I was struck by the variety. It's not just uh, it's not just the arenas. It is arts, culture. It can go to a lot of different places. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's soup to nuts, and you know when we're talking about what today is all about with the within the township of Wells and, and that recreational center and, and sport and fitness that is going to benefit from this grant. It's a total of one hundred and forty nine thousand one hundred dollars within the, the community within. KW proper, the region, uh, there'll be recipients that total $815,000 that will impact small, medium, and large as you're reading on that list that will make them better, bring them up to a, a level where they need to do, where they need to be to provide a service within their community. And yeah, the diversity is, for me, also part of the fun of it when we go into communities, talk to uh, our MPPs who are so supportive in their areas and want things to be better and want to continue to make a positive impact. But in some cases, as I mentioned, and you will see when in that list, uh, upgraded, upgrading is needed at times. And that's why this, why OTF has, again, the impact is so dramatic and so worthwhile in all our communities. Can you highlight another one or two uh, for us? Yeah, uh, the list is pretty long, and I'm uh, let me flip to it because I don't want to miss out on any of them. Uh, I know that, and bear with me for a second because I got it somewhere because there's a whole lot. Okay, didn't mean to put you no, in the no, no, there, it's, but... no. It's okay. I just want to. I want to get to the point. So I will read. Them don't you exactly. still keep the plays? Don't you still keep all the plays written on your wrist and a thing like? <laughs> Larry, that's very good. No, no, we have memorized them. Uh, but when we're talking about this, the list is so long, and, and in no particular order. Uh, Townline Muslim Center, uh, Drayton Entertainment. Again, I've talked about the Township of Wellesley, Chicopee, Family and Children's Services in Waterloo Region, uh, Food for Kids, Waterloo Region, Preston Lawn Bowling Club, uh, Charitable Researches Re- Review. And again, all that totals $815,000. So uh, as you looked at the list and talked about the diversity, uh, I think you hit it right in the head that that's the overall impact is is very targeted on the region, but very diverse in the application. So uh, it, it's a wonderful thing. It is. And thank you for sharing that uh, with us. And that was a football reference, of course, because it's Neil yeah. Lumsden about having <laughs> plays written on the wrist there. And I got, I, I'm going to ask you as a, as a former Grey Cup champion and, a, and a, I'm sure a, still a fan. Do you do you watch the NFL? If so, who do you like this weekend? I still do watch. I'm far more particular when I watch. I don't. I won't put up with um, crappy football. Uh, so when I and, and in the last few weeks we have not had crappy football. 
Uh, I think that uh, I, I'd love to see uh, the Ravens take that next step. I'm, I'm a fan of Harbaugh as a coach. I think they're a very well-coached team. Their talent level is huge. Uh, I, I think they will be Kansas City. There's something about San Francisco that makes me a little bit uneasy, and I'm not sure what it is. And maybe it's simply because they're going to be, they're playing against a team from Detroit that things have come together for them emotionally, uh, on and off the field. Their their new ownership group has done everything right from my perspective with respect to their head coach, the kinds of players they're bringing in. Maybe it you know in some cases it's true when they say it's their time. Maybe yeah. it is their time. But San Francisco, well coached, high quality, high performance athletes. Uh, uh, Debo Samuel, if he's not playing. As you know, he's a receiver. Uh, that will change how things turn out, I think, because he is such an impact player and he's so explosive that he makes a difference uh, for that offense. And if he's not there, uh, I would worry a little bit if I'm uh, a yeah. San Francisco 49er yeah. fan. And it's just you know, the long-suffering Lions. You just want to see them do well, at least. But uh, that was that was great. Neil Lumsden, thank you for that. And also, uh, as the Minister of Tourism, Culture, and Sport, thank you, uh for the, the Trillium Grants uh, information and all of that. All the best to you, sir. Oh, I, Larry, I appreciate the opportunity to, to join you and, and share the good news. Neil Lumsden is uh, the Minister of Tourism, Culture, and Sport for Ontario. Uh, your thoughts on this in a moment here on City News 570. For me, also part of the fun of it when we go into communities, talk to our MPPs who are so supportive in their areas and want things to be better. But in some cases, as I mentioned, and you will see when in that list, upgrading is needed at times. And that's why, again, the impact is so dramatic and so worthwhile in all our communities. Neil Lumsden, our guest moments ago. I'm Larry Fedorik in for Mike Farwell today. Neil Lumsden uh, in the region announcing the Ontario Trillium Foundation Capital Grants. Uh, several of these throughout Ontario, uh, about 10 in Kitchener-Waterloo. And Neil, of course, is the minister of not only a former Grey Cup champion and and um, football manager, player and manager, uh, but currently the Minister of Tourism, Culture, and Sport. He represents uh, Hamilton, Stony Creek in the legislature. And that's why I, I didn't – it wasn't on kind of the list to say uh, ask him about football. But I thought I got Neil Lumsden on. And the NFL is down to the final four, and they're playing this weekend. And uh, why don't I just ask – and there he is, brrr, just right through the whole, like, still follows it, knows the information, knows the players, knows the people, knows the – man – uh, still, uh, still uh, a fan, and still into it. So, so it was great to get the football perspective as well. But and this is not an endorsement of the uh, you know government or government programs. But what I like about the uh, and do like about the Ontario Trillium Foundation capital grants is that it's it's a lot of at least by government terms, it's a lot of little money going to a lot of different people. So this, you know, usually when you hear about governments, it's where's our ten million, where's our billion, where's our this and. And and but this is like fifty thousand here, a hundred thousand there. You know, for community groups that need basic things to rework a facility or to continue providing um, sports or culture or arts, uh, and that's what I like about the Ontario Trillium Capital Grants. They do hit at community things because, and I don't know if I'm taking this too far, but we need community 
we've we've been isolating ourselves through connectivity for so many years. We need to get back out there in community centers and and libraries and small theaters, and we need to have more human experience. And if a facility needs upgrading to make that possible, then we need to we need to do that. I say we as a society need to do that. As I say, perhaps I'm taking this way too far, but we need more human contact. Do we not? Here's Chris on City News 570. Go ahead, Chris. Hi. Um, I, I liked what Neil said about the grants and everything, but I'm I, I basically calling off topic here. I want I to okay. go back to the Just, Justin Timberlake thing. Okay, the sure, yeah. I, the first thing I took from that was how old he was, too. Just to hear you say that was the thing you got from that story. It was like, wow, we all think the same. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I thought he was my age, but he's younger than I am, and um, I guess he's just done a whole life life full of things in that, and so I always thought he was older than he was. I, well, I, I didn't even know about his album. I just, I just heard the age, and that was it. Yeah, yeah. I thought I went the other way. I thought he was still thirty. You know, he'll be he'll be twenty five or thirty for me forever until I see him one yeah. day on TV and he's all gray hair and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's aged well, that's for sure. Yeah. All right, thank you. Uh, no, Chris, Chris, that's great. Thanks for the call. I appreciate that. Yeah, isn't that funny? When we're going back to Christine's story about Justin Timberlake releasing a new song and a new album, and she said the 42-year-old, and that just jumped out at me, and I, I was talking about it. And then Neil Lumsden, our guest, the minister, he commented on it. And it's funny how that, for a lot of us, I think that that jumped out because – I I don't know how uh, I'm older than Justin Timberlake. Let's just say that, okay? Uh, but I don't know how old I am until I think about how old I am. Do, do, does that make sense? Do you know what I mean by that? I don't really. It's it's not. I'm not Peter Pan syndrome. I'm too old for that. Uh, I don't really think I'm thirty or could act like it or could you know play softball like a 30 year old or any, like, I just, I don't think that it's, I don't walk around in a fantasy, but just don't realize there's, there's some median age in my head that I think I am. And, and then sometimes you realize you're not. I had to go through a medical thing the other day and somebody said date of birth. And I said it and I'm like, Oh, that's right. That is how old I am. Oh my goodness. I better take a chair. I better I better get a place to sit down there, young lady. But it's um, it's strange. Timberlake, forty two. You know, hmm. um, yeah. I, I mean, sometimes you get those where it's like, um, like how long has Google been around? Thirty years. How how, how old is Facebook? Fifteen years. What? You you kind of. Forget, I guess, or maybe don't realize. Oh, man. Time marching on, and uh, that's all I'm getting out of that. Uh, we'll let time march on for a few more minutes and be back in a moment. Larry Fedorik in for Mike Farwell on City News 570. I'm Larry Fedorik in for Mike Farwell. This is what I love about doing the talk show and all the years I did a talk show is you you plan ahead and you book guests and and they are great and I'm looking forward to our guests today but for all the planning something comes up like Justin Timberlake is 42 
And and then that's what we think about and talk about for 10 minutes, an hour, <laughs> the whole day. I don't know, whatever. That was the story. Justin Timberlake, the 42-year-old, is releasing a new album. And I was like, the 42-year-old? 42? 42? When? When did he become 42? That's a grown-up. That's an old man. You're pushing 40? No, you're 42. Oh, man. Uh, so, uh, whatever. And it's, I'm not saying that's old. I'm just, it's a number, whatever. We know. We know. My thing, and I don't know if I've talked about it on the show here before, but a couple of years ago when Betty White passed away at 99 and people were planning her 100th birthday and and people were all ticked off, remember, saying, nah, see, you shouldn't have planned. You shouldn't have said anything. You jinxed it. And I'm like, yeah, right. That's how it works. Like, you, you can't plan somebody's birthday ever because you're jinxing it. Uh and she was 99, she passed, just shy of 100. And uh, back then, that was 22, I started to, maybe just the end of 21, I started to make a list of, I was like, there's a lot of people, celebrity, famous people, whatever, 90 plus. And I, for some reason, I've kept this list up for about two years now uh, of people 90 and over. And that is, that is a list, you know. I'm not going to go through it because it's it's really long. You'd be surprised how many there are. You know, I mean, Norman Jewish, uh, Jewison, 97, he just passed. He was 97. Hey, of course, he, I had him on my list. He's, he's 97. And by the way, not Jewish. This this is the thing I found out about Norman Jewison. Not Jewish. Like, I would never assume a person who had the last name Christian is a Christian. They just seem to have that last name. But for some reason, my entire life, maybe because Fiddler on the Roof, I don't know, Norman Jewison was Jewish. He's not. Whatever. Just a little, another fun fact for you. I guess it was not fun fact. I guess I shouldn't use that term. But yeah, yeah, there you go. But lots of people, Carol Burnett turned 90 last year. So did Michael Caine. Jean Chrétien just turned 90 uh, like a week ago. Um, Don Cherry turns 90 in a couple of weeks. Uh, I have a very extensive list of P- Jane Goodall is turning 90 later this year. And most of these people at 90, and I know this isn't 90 is the new 70 or 50 is the new 30, or I don't know what uh, all those things are that we make up to make ourselves feel younger than Justin Timberlake. I don't know, but I don't know what 90 is, but a lot of the 90 year olds, uh, just, um, it's very cool. They're still with it. I've talked about this before on the shows last year, around this time we lost our mom. She was 94 and she had uh, a bad couple of weeks at the end. But before that, almost every other one of her, like 33,000 days on the planet were, were vibrant and out there and she had stuff to do, you know, got stuff to do. Um, so Mel Brooks just received an honorary lifetime achievement Oscar. And he was there to accept and gave a little speech, 97. Like, so, uh, and it's, speaking of age, last year, um, and I, I don't know what the stats are this year for 24, but last year, 2023, more people in Canada turned 60 than any other birthday. More people in Canada turned 60 than any other age last year. So 60 is also was a big number people talked about last year. But uh, like Brad Pitt turned 60. Uh, gosh, that's only one example I have. I had a bunch, but they all left me at this point. But yeah, so from that, we talk about uh, age and, uh, aging. And uh, as I say, it is it is just a number, but that is the way we keep track, by the number. <laughs> 
Okay. It's City News 570, Larry Fedorik in for Mike Farwell. Coming up next on the program, no surprise really, but University of Waterloo is right up there when we talk about uh, the EV market. Uh, we'll talk to an engineering professor from that, uh, from there, rather, coming up in a minute or two. Be right back. Here's special guest host, Larry Fedorik. Mike Farwell traveling with the Rangers. You'll hear him with the team in the play-by-play tomorrow night as they're uh, in, in the Sioux. Uh, I'll uh, be here today and tomorrow sitting in for Mike. Coming up uh, in about half an hour, we're going to talk the health crisis in Ontario. I'm looking forward to this conversation from a nursing perspective. We'll get a professor of nursing from the University of Ottawa, also endowed chair in nursing at the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario. Going to get some perspectives on health crisis and uh, sort of been looking at the, the the point form presentation of what our guest is talking about. And it's it's it's. Um, Quite intriguing. It's smart stuff, and I, I think you'll uh, enjoy that conversation coming up just at t- 10.30. Uh, right now on the program, and it should come as no surprise, that the University of Waterloo is at the cutting edge, right at the top, when it comes to the developments in the uh, EV market, electronic vehicles market. Uh, they've um, been chosen to uh, make uh, a presentation at uh, – uh, some very prestigious competitions. Wanted to talk more about that. Uh, professor in engineering at the University of Waterloo is Yevrik Rangum, who joins us now. Hello, Professor Rangum. Hello, Larry. Good morning. Happy to be here. Thank you for joining us. Talk about, like I said, no surprise. I think people know uh, how advanced the, the studies are when it comes to this type of thing at the University of Waterloo. But uh, talk about what, what you do. Some of the designing and and building elements that you do in this research so so if you want me to talk about my personal research what i do is like i'm making new electrodes that will allow for fast charging so what we're trying to do is to reduce the time it takes for an electric vehicle to uh, basically replenish its battery so that it's competitive with a gasoline car which is extremely important for uh, the uh, the consumer of those vehicles so um yeah with the gasoline car two minutes you fill up your car and you're out of there um with what would be an ideal for an ev to for a recharge what are you shooting for so at the moment uh, the the goal is 15 minutes so uh wow. we're trying to get to that which is uh, already difficult but that's the uh, u.s department of energy uh, guideline on this uh, uh on this subject it's called the extreme fast charging uh, protocol. Now, what I found out is that various companies will have, uh, what do you call them, competitions, I guess, where uh, they ask people such as yourself to contribute to, to, to the science. Uh, are you entered in any of those, or is the department entered? Oh, yes and no. So we don't have, this is the, as you said before, the cutting edge of the, of the research. So we don't have competition at this level. We have competitions uh, at the uh, more undergraduate level, I would say, uh, where we have uh, what's called the Battery Workforce Challenge, which is sponsored with, uh, by Stellantis, and uh, we use existing cells. So those cells ha- are already made. They have their own limits that we already know, it's like about an hour for charging time. And uh, we're trying to educate a large number of qualified uh, engineers to be able to work in the future uh, in that uh, industry, in terms of uh, competition, that's where it's at. 
So you have also EcoCar, which is uh, something that the University of Waterloo have done for about 20 years. Not exactly 20 years, I think 17 years now. And they're working on increasing the, uh, the powertrain abilities. So uh, you have powertrain and batteries that, that work hand in hand, uh, for, uh, but it's, it's more in a performance type of way. Now, your research on shortening the the recharging time, um, but as you pointed out, there's research on all levels from, you know, uh, everything, design, environment, everything is is in the development, if you will. Yes, so that's true. And uh, the race here is between researchers. So the, the first person to get a solution that is uh, practical uh, is going to get uh, a lot of success, let's say, <laughs> in that field. Uh, so uh, we are in competition uh, as, as researchers and as uh, uh, universities to uh, get solutions for this. But we are still not a company, let's say. So we have uh, a uh, duty of uh, looking out into the future also than uh, trying to solve like an immediate problem. It's more something that companies would do uh, if you understand if you understand my drift here. Now, what, what these competitions would do also, I, I'm thinking, is it introduces the students to the industry itself. So yes. now these students are, are, you know, marked by industry as potential candidates for jobs. Yes, so that's very important for, for, for myself and for the, uh, the University of Waterloo is to be able to have students that can get into the workforce uh, immediately and uh, in a very efficient way. So that's where those competitions are really, really useful. That's right. Now, in your opinion, this policy in Canada, electric, hybrid, or otherwise by 2035, and we're talking about passenger cars, SUVs, things like that, all of them by 2035, is that realistic? <laughs> That's a uh, loaded question. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So I can, no one really can know the future. I think it's a goal. It's something that we want to strive for, but uh, it will depend ultimately on the public. So uh, if the public uh, is able to adopt these, these uh, electric vehicles by this time, I think, yes, it's realistic. If we want to have electric vehicles that are as practical as a gasoline car by 2035, might be difficult because, again, I'm trying to, we're trying right now to get uh, charging by in 15 minutes, which is still far from the two minutes that you need to take to uh, refill your gasoline car. Also, there's a cost of, of vehicles that... Uh, uh, largely driven by the cost of the battery. The battery itself is, I don't know if you know, but it's about 500, 600 kilograms. So uh, uh, compared to a gas tank, it's, uh, it's a much bigger thing. So to get the price of this down also will depend on uh, mass production and also maybe new technologies. But this is uh, uh, beyond 2035. Yeah. But it really starts with the research and development, and I'm I'm so glad to see that uh, you, you guys, I think, are on the cutting edge of it, and certainly your research as well into charging time. So very interesting. Professor, thank you for your time today. appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Yvrik Rangum is Professor Engineering University of Waterloo, talking about uh, them being on the cutting edge of the electronic vehicle market. Boy, this is a topic. Can't wait to get into it with you next here on City News 570.
is between researchers. So the, the first person to get a solution that is practical is going to get a lot of success, let's say, <laughs> in that field. So we are in competition as researchers and as universities to get solutions for this. Talking about electric vehicles there with Yivrik Rangum, professor at the University of Waterloo, engineering of Waterloo University on the cutting edge of the EV market, electronic vehicles. And uh, I, we talked to him about competitions because it's one thing they do. And not everybody's invited to these competitions. You have to be this tall to get in even. You know, you have to be pretty good to get in is what I'm saying. And and, and University of Waterloo is invited uh, to a few of these competitions um, in EV uh, in different parts of it, design, um, even aerodynamic, like there's all kinds of things. Everything that goes into a vehicle goes into an electronic vehicle, and that's all kind of up for design right now. And the main thing is, of course, the electronics of the electronic vehicle, the charging, the batteries, all that. The weight of the batteries, the professor pointed out. And the professor's research into, and I'm so glad he brought that up because – if he didn't, I would have. It's his research specifically into uh, how do we lessen the charging time uh, because w- those of us who grew up and still most of us who grew up on on the internal combustion gasoline-powered engine um, have to we fill up our car. And we, we definitely keep track of the range. We're not going to travel uh, – to London and back on uh, a quarter of a tank of gas, we're probably going to put some gas in there just to make sure. And most cars today and SUVs will tell you the range right on your screen there. How, what's what's your range based on on the amount of fuel you have? And of course, it changes based on your city or highway driving. Of course, so that number changes, but you keep track of it. You know, so that mindset is there, right? But the mindset of how many hours do I have or how many kilometers do I have based on a charge uh, of my vehicle? And if your vehicle use is simple, you go to work, you come home, that's it, maybe a weekend outing, then uh, you can charge it at home, be good for the day. You can, But that's generally not the way vehicles are used. They're used uh, at a whim. Hey, let's get up and drive around. Let's go to there. Let's go to there. Let's go to that sale over there across town. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's drive the kids to practice. Let's do that. So um, now how do we how do we do that? And as I said to the professor, we're all used to kind of pulling up to the gas station. Uh, if there's no lineup, we fill it up, run in, pay, get out, whatever. A uh, couple of minutes, five minutes tops. Eh, charging is like you got to leave it. <laughs> you have to leave it. And of course, we've talked before, and a lot of people will talk about this when it comes to EVs. Is where, where's the infrastructure? If we're going to be all now, it's not all electric by 2035. If you look at the Canadian policy, it's it's electric, hybrid, or even uh, what's the one that I think is where we should be going? Uh, hydrogen, hydrogen. Uh, I, I I don't know if the electric lithium battery which has got all the momentum is where everybody wants to go is this the way we should be going like nobody really stopped and said gasoline powered internal combustion engines is this the way to go no they just built them that's the way it all is and now we're saying wow it turns out that's not that good for us uh but yet we never well are we is are is somebody asking the question should we be doing this it's it's obvious that we can 
more and more people are saying, just because we can, does it mean we should? Is this the way to go? The problem is with people having the conversation of should we build it, is this the way to go, is that while we're discussing it, those guys over there, they're already building it. The electronic lithium battery, you know, mining, all of that, that is so underway, it's almost unstoppable at this point to say, is it hydrogen? Maybe that's the way to go, you know? I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I will say I don't know enough about it, but the more that you get into it, the more you realize that there are more questions. There's more questions. Maybe there's a general consensus that the gasoline-powered internal combustion engine is not the future. But what is exactly? And people argue that um, the the amount of carbon footprint we're going to leave by having all these people using electricity that comes from other sources um, to charge their vehicles. It's true. It's true because that's the structure we have. We don't have clean enough clean energy. If everybody tomorrow got an electronic vehicle, we wouldn't be able to do it. Uh, that's why it's not tomorrow. That's why it's 2035. And even that's pushing it because it's about 10 years away, give or take. And where's the infrastructure? Where's all the charging stations? Where's all the, it's, it's, it's fine if your, if your car company is going to offer you an incentive and they're going to pay for some installation into a charging station in your garage at home. But where's, where's all the charging stations? Where's the station that you pull up to and spend? Like the professor said, let's say they get it down to 15 minutes. Even that is like, that's not stopping and getting gas. While I, and I'll pop in and while I'm there, I'll get a, a bag of potato chips and a Pepsi. You know, this is, this is 15 minutes. This is, I, I could go in and have breakfast. You know, like, how is this all going to work? Uh, I assume there's plans for it. I just, um, it's just, there's a lot to think about, isn't there? EV sounds great, but everything else on top of it. Uh, get your thoughts on, uh, thoughts on this and more in a moment. This is City News 570. Larry Fedorik in for Mike Farwell. If you're just joining us, we were talking with a professor at the University of Waterloo about the EV market, the research they're doing there into electronic vehicles. The professor himself, Professor Rangam, his research into shortening the charging times for electric vehicles, getting them down to at least 15 minutes. Even that's very long compared to filling up a tank of gas. But uh, that is, you know, all these these issues that we might have with electronic cars, what if, what if, what if, uh, they're trying to fill those gaps, I guess, and uh, do do them as, as we roll out till 2035 when all vehicles sold have to be some sort of hybrid electronic or hydrogen. Uh, here's Al joining the program. Go ahead, Al. You're on City News 570. Uh, morning, Larry. When uh, all this conversation comes up about EVs, I always... Uh and all the, you know, the problems with people point out and all this, that. I think back of the old days when uh, we used to have a box under our desks at home, or, and I think they called them towers, and we plugged our lap, our uh, keypads in and our monitors into them. Nowadays, right, right. people are walking around carrying that in their pockets or carrying it in their hands. So just give them time. They'll solve all the problems. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, thanks for the call, Al. 
Uh, by the way, Al's name on screen looks like AI. And I thought, oh, an AI is calling me. This will be a bot. But it was Al. And a great point, Al. Um, my brother just bought a Bluetooth charge. There's Bluetooth chargers for your phone. Does this sound right to you? I, I know I sound like a Luddite here, but... but um, so you don't actually have to plug your phone in to charge it. It's just it sends the charge. So Al's right in that case. I mean, imagine that. I'm not saying the technology is there, but if you could just park your car near a charger and it Bluetooths your your car or SUV back up to full charge while you're um, doing your thing, maybe, maybe. I think they'll figure it out because they have to. I mean – uh, I understand the concerns. There's a difference between sort of voicing our concerns and just being negative about the whole issue. And one of the one of the concerns is the time it takes to charge. One of the concerns is the infrastructure around for for charging electronic vehicles if we all have them. Um, and and where's that going to be? And I think more and more it's going to be part of the the uh, the infrastructure. There'll be one or two or five at the grocery store. There'll be some there at the transit parking lot. There'll be some at home. There'll be stations along the way, you know, as there are now, we we might have more and more of those uh, as the need uh, for them. uh, And and as, as to sort of the other concern is to now we're leaving a bigger carbon footprint, so to speak, by mining the lithium and, and getting it to market and getting it into batteries and all that. Yeah, I guess we are. We we don't have electronically powered excavators and dump trucks and all these other things. So, yeah. But at the same time, if we get millions and millions of cars, um, polluting cars off the road, then wouldn't that be better for us in the long run? You know, uh, I guess. And then maybe we'll have, a, eventually we'll have electronic excavators and dump trucks. So we won't even be leaving the carbon footprint mining the, it's just like they have electronic planes now. Uh, but they're, because of the battery, they don't have the range to fly from here to Paris. They can fly from here to there, but that's about it. So it's definitely a work in progress is, I guess, the way we look at it. We're going to talk about the health crisis in uh, Ontario with a professor in nursing from University of Ottawa who has some great thoughts and ideas and putting nurses up front in that. That's that conversation coming up next here on City News 570. Here's special guest host Larry Fedorik. Coming up on our program today, 11 o'clock hour, if you can stick around, we're going to talk about the 2023 Youth Impact Survey in Waterloo with uh, some youth and their manager. Uh, And the Youth Impact Survey looks at a lot of things, uh, health, school, um, environmental participation of youth in in social and society, all of that. Youth Impact Survey information coming up at 1130. It's our flip side. For half an hour, we flip it over to you. We're going to ask you a question. Uh, today, it's about movies. What movie is a remote dropper for you? When you come across a movie and you just, that's it. We're watching this. Got to watch this movie. Even though we've seen it like 20 times, it's like, I want to watch this now. It's on. I got a few. Uh, we'll share that and get your responses in our flip side half hour coming up at 1130. As I said, I've been looking forward to this conversation because it is about um, health care. Uh, healthcare as opposed to illness, 
uh, and healthcare crisis in Ontario, some perspectives on that. Our guest is Associate Professor at the School of Nursing, University of Ottawa, also endowed chair in nursing at the uh, CHEO, the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario. Uh, Rochelle Einboden joining us. Professor Einboden, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for joining us today on this. Um, the, the headline said academic perspectives on the health crisis, and I went, boy, academic implies uh, conceptual, you know, thinkers, nothing in reality. You have have some real sort of frontline stuff, I think, here, perspectives on this, don't you? Yeah, I think it's a, a common misconception that academics are separate from um, practice, but I've actually been – quite closely related to practice throughout my nursing career um, and uh, have worked um, at in a bedside role until a few years ago, actually. Now, one of the things you talk about in, as, as part of this crisis is the attrition of nurses. Um, yeah, so we've seen quite a, a lot of nurses um, leaving the profession in the last uh, well, before probably COVID, but certainly now. And I mean, in some ways, we expect to see that because of um, the demographics of nursing. Um, and that's accentuated, of course, by the demographics of an aging population where now we have a, a pretty significant um, crisis in terms of nursing for for the roles and for the work that needs to be done. Yeah. And I, I, well, I don't know if COVID just lifted the curtain on a problem that already existed, perhaps. Which yeah, is... absolutely. I mean, I think for the past several de- decades, really, we've seen significant um, funding cuts from from government for healthcare, and what that has really meant is that the institutions have been um, looking at ways to be more cost-effective. And so across many high-income countries like the U.S., the U.K., Canada, and Australia, we've seen with those funding cuts, we've seen um, implementation of business models to uh, address um, some of those, some of the really concerning budget cuts. Um, That's exactly where I was going next is the business model. I mean, I understand why you have to, uh, that you have to maybe run things as a business, but is as a business model when it comes to healthcare, is that the right way to approach it? Well, that's what um, is increasingly been happening in healthcare is, um, is, is really a move to um, these kinds of business models. And, and I think that in that case, there's been some really key challenges because those models are oriented to maximizing profits. Um, and that's not really relevant in the health in a public healthcare setting. Um, and and so what it means for healthcare is that we've had um, a move to decreasing costs, and this has really left nurses attempting to do more with less. Um, and and those kinds of those kinds of inputs into healthcare. I mean, we definitely need to be responsible with uh, and cost effective with the work that we do. But in the remodeling of healthcare, nurses became the prime targets because when you have, uh, say, a hospital, the nursing budgets look huge because the reason people are hospitalized are for 24-7 nursing care. 
Um, and, and, you know, nurses make up a huge proportion of the healthcare workforce. So unlike our physician colleagues who are subcontracted and paid by the government usually in different kinds of um, different kind of allocations of funding, nurses are the employees, and they've, they've been especially vulnerable to budget cuts for hospitals. There's a couple of reasons I think this has happened, um, and one is the structure of funding, but also it's the, it's the undervaluing of nursing work and the, un, the, the un, unawareness, really, of those who came in to make those changes, those consultants and accountants who were looking at efficiencies, they didn't know what they were looking at in terms of nursing work. Um, and I think they've made a significant error by conceiving of nursing work in a task-focused way. And I think this error has been disastrous for healthcare um, and really restrained nurses' ability to do their work and use their knowledge and skills to their full capacity. I, I you know, I've had this experience with myself and, and family and friends where you go in for healthcare and as you're waiting for your doctor, two, three, four nurses take care of you for those days. It, the nurse is the first person you see. It's the last person you remember. Oh, I had a great nurse. You know, it just seems obvious that that's where the investment should be in nursing, to me, anyway. Yeah, well, I think you point out a really important thing is nursing is a relational practice. So it's about building relationships with the individual people we care for and taking the general knowledge that we that we have, so the knowledge of, you know, um, disease conditions, treatments, and, and tailoring them in meaningful ways to the specific needs of those that we're caring for in that moment. Um, and really, that kind of relational practice can't be measured by accounting for tasks. And right. so when, yeah, like when nursing work is well done, it kind of looks insignificant. Like, it looks calm. Things look calm. Things look mm -hmm. easy. <laughs> so. Exactly. I, w I was going to ask you this before we went on. I didn't get a chance. I'm going to ask you live on the air. Are you able to stick around for a couple more minutes? Because I have to go to break, but I would. I have a couple more questions for you. Are, do you have some, some extra time here? I do. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. Stay with us. Stay with us. I'm going to talk more about nursing with uh, Rochelle Einboden, professor and uh, chair in nursing. Uh, in a moment here on City News 570. I'm Larry Fedorkin for Mike Farwell. If you're just joining us, we're in conversation with Rochelle Einboden, who's an associate professor in the School of Nursing at the University of Ottawa, uh, recently still also frontline nurse and also now uh, endowed chair in nursing at the uh, Canadian, excuse me, the uh, Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario. And we were talking about uh, some perspectives on the healthcare crisis. And and Rochelle, just to recap, we talked about the business model not serving well in the healthcare industry to look at it just as a business model. We talked about the attrition of nurses. Uh, also, sort of the idea that is healthcare focused on illness and not actual healthcare is that a thing? I think it is actually. Um, I think that what we've seen is uh, kind of an unsustainable reactive system that's um, more oriented to caring for illness than for health. And I think one of the ways that we could shift um, some of our some of the issues that we have in healthcare is to look upstream. 
and nurses will be very well placed to support that kind of work. Um, nurses have are well trained in Canada. They're well prepared to be leaders in revisioning public health care systems, and they can assess. Uh, what is needed, they can plan, they can innovate, they can advocate for public health. Um, that's really where nurses can shine, is, is looking at um, new upstream models in, the prime, in, in relation to primary health care. So investment into that would be a really important first step. I know we've been talking about this in nursing for, for my entire career in nursing, that nurses would be very well placed to be the first contact for people in health care. And this would be an effective way to use registered nurses to their full scope. And we are seeing some of these shifts in team-based models of primary health care delivery. And I think those are really terrific first steps um, that we could build on in, in looking at um, shifting our view. Nurses also have a really good orientation to looking at social determinants of health that support health in the first instance. So addressing issues of housing, food security, education, literacy, quality, universal child care, those kinds of things um, really and meaningfully addressing the issues of discrimination for marginalized Canadians. These things lay foundation for illness and shifting our perspective towards addressing those things can really alleviate some of the, um, some of the pressure on our healthcare system that's really oriented in, in a reactive way at this time. Uh, you're talking about all of these things that sound great. Uh, who's listening? Who's listening? Well, I think I think the average Canadian is starting to really listen, and I think mm -hmm. that's because they're not getting the care that that they were hoping to get in healthcare. One in five Canadians do not have a family doctor, um, and they can't get their prescriptions renewed. And for some some of us, it really it's it's deal breaking, like particularly for our older population that needs their prescriptions renewed and, and those kinds of things. They need consistency in their care. And nurses could support a lot of that consistency in primary health care. Uh, I agree. Thanks for sticking around the extra minutes to, to get that part of the conversation in as well. Uh, Professor, thank you so much, Rochelle. Thanks for having me on the show. It was a pleasure. Rochelle, Ein Bowden is Associate Professor, School of Nursing, University of Ottawa, Endowed Chair in Nursing at the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario, the uh, CHEO, if you look it up. And uh, some, some wonderful points there about uh, nurses and how, you know, you go uh, into the hospital and it's, as I said earlier, it's the nurses that are there. The doctor the doctor visits the hospital, maybe also has a practice, maybe also visits another hospital. But who's there as the employee day in, day out, looking at your charts, keeping track uh, of you, taking care? Um, and, and there's a huge social aspect to it as well. I just had eye surgery the other day. And the first person I see is the receptionist. But then after that, it's the nurse for like an hour before I get in. And it was the nurse, was the conversationalist, made me feel at ease, told me what was coming up, told me, like, it's, it's, it really is. Um, when I, and when I said who's listening, I meant, I, I think Canadians are starting to catch on to the importance of this and, and all that. But are the people who, um, write the checks, if you will, are they listening? I would, I would hope they are. Uh, more on this in a moment, getting your thoughts as well. City News 570, Larry Fedoric in for Mike Farwell. 
I'm Larry Fedorik in for Mike Farwell. Mike's traveling with the Rangers and will be back on Monday. I'll be here today and uh, tomorrow. Our flip side coming up at 1130 where we flip it to you and ask you a question. Today's question because of the Oscar nominations is what's that one movie that you watch whenever it's on? If you come across it, that's it. Remote is dropped. We're watching this. I got a couple of, well, at least. And another thing I do, well, you know what? I'll save that for the flip side. Coming up at 1130, but that's a preview of the question. Think about that. And then, of course, whatever you want in the noon to one hour, it's our 12 o'clock talkback hour. So uh, looking forward to what's on your mind in noon to one when we just kind of open it up and uh, freeform it there. So uh, if you're just joining us, we're just talking about nursing with the a nursing professor from Ottawa, also a chair uh, in nursing at the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario. And the importance, you know, I, I get it that things cost money. and it, But looking at the, sort of the, the Doug Ford mindset, and Doug Ford has said before, I'm a businessman, I'm a businessman, that's that's what I do. That's a terrible Doug Ford impression, is by the way. But uh, uh, but that's what he says all the time, and I understand that. And everybody says, you know, if you ran government as business, that would – the problem is – it's not. There's business aspects to government. It's not a business. Healthcare is not a business. It is for some. For some, it's for profit. Uh, but basic healthcare, you know, to me, the three, the three H's, hunger, homelessness, and healthcare. If we can't take care of those three things for humanity, if we can't just do those first and then let everybody make money and profit and how do we do that well we all we all pay a little the way we do now except the money goes to hunger homelessness and health care three basic necessities why should any one of them be uh, a, a capitalist venture and i don't mind if it is i guess if some people make money it's just how much are you making hey law blahs uh, why, why a 30% discount on nearly expired items? Put it back up to 50. Oh, they did. Big deal. Like, you know, somebody might be $7 short on their Christmas bonus now at the end of the day of the board of directors and blah, blahs now because they, you know, I don't care about that. Um, and I know I sound like, I, I, I know I can hear people screaming at me going, I'm a, I'm a snowflake that's going to melt when the heat is on. Uh, perhaps. But I've always wondered my entire life why we can't take care of those three basic things for humanity. A lot of things get in the way. Um, capitalism is one. Um, there's all kinds of reasons that people are suffering in this world that are either hungry, homeless, or don't have health care. But in a developed nation like Canada, you'd think we'd at least be moving towards that and not going backwards and doing it more as a business model for profit and um and, and cutting back on the most essential frontline first impression people in the healthcare industry which are nurses nurses as i said to the professor the first person you see and usually the last impression you have yeah your doctor told you to do this the doctor is good or is not good or she's not as good as i thought but the nurse you remember the nurse during your hospital stay or during your healthcare experience that's where the investment should be to get more of them, to pay them more, to listen to what they have to say, because they are the employees who are there every day at that station, and they know how it works. Uh, maybe you want to talk about that in our noon hour, in our uh, 12 o'clock talk back. Um, 
Next on the program, we're going to talk about youth, a youth impact survey in Waterloo, uh, what it said, and uh, how are youth impacted, basically. That's our topic next on City News 570. Here's special guest host, Larry Fedorik. The 2023 Youth Impact Survey is out in the Waterloo region. Uh, There's the... um, children and youth planning table of waterloo and we have some youth connectors from that organization we also have their manager with us to talk about the youth impact survey let's talk about our youth let's talk to the manager first here's allison pearson hello allison how are you oh great thanks for having us on larry Thanks for coming on. I, I want to get to the youth connectors as well, but let me ask you first about this uh, planning uh, table of Waterloo, the the organization, and how many other sort of organizations and groups you're involved with. Sure. So the the children and youth planning table is a community collaborative of. Uh, over 60 organizations in the community, uh, all who kind of work with children, youth, and families. And we total over a 1,000 people at this point, so that's both adults and young people, coming together to have a greater impact on child and youth well-being. And we say organizations, what kind of organizations? Not just the schools. Uh, I imagine all kinds of youth and family organizations. That's right. Large, small. So we've got, yeah, the four school boards, but also, you know, mental health serving organizations, sexual health serving organizations, early learning and child care, libraries, community centers, you name it. Right. Wow. And and what is the job of a youth connector? Well, uh, youth connectors are staff um, alongside adult staff, and they are in place to help us ensure we're doing really great work with engaging young people in our community, and I'm so excited that we have Kian and Hanya, two of our three youth connectors, with us today. Uh, Kian Mirzai and uh, uh, Hanya Nazir are with us as well. Um, and just technically, we don't know. If, I'll be honest with you, we don't know if we can have everybody on at the same time, but uh, we'll we'll do our best here to get uh, everybody on. Hanya and uh, Kian, nice to have you on the show. Thank you for being here, Kian. Tell me about your experience as a youth connector. Yeah. Hi, Larry. Um, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah, so I started back in the uh, CYPG team back in April of 2023. Um, it's been an awesome role to be in. Um, right away back in May of 2023, uh, we hosted the Youth Impact Survey, so right away got thrown into that. Um, we did a lot of work to um, get people to fill out the survey, and we ended up getting close to 2,000 people to fill out the survey. And uh, now we're continuing our role by um, elevating youth voices through data, engagement, and funds. Um, and we're so happy to, on Monday, release the results of the Youth Impact Survey that we did back in May. And there's some really good results that have come out of that. Wow. Okay. And, and I want to get to some of that. But tell me, either Kian or Hanya, whoever feels like answering, how, how did you come up with the survey in the first place? What are some, what are some of the questions on there? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I can answer this one. Uh, That'd be great. The survey was um, inspired um, by the domains from UNICEF. There are nine uh, main domains of belonging, some of them including, um, of course, belonging, uh, happy and respected, participating. Um, And the overall idea of the um, survey is just to get youth voices to be heard. We want to know what youth are thinking of, what they want, um, just because youth are just as important as anyone else. And... um, 
a lot of the times we have adults speaking for youth, but we want to hear from youth directly. And so some of the questions, they, um, some of them can be a little harder for some to answer, such as, like, do you go to bed hungry or have you ever experienced homelessness? But there's also um, questions surrounding belonging, of course, like, um, have you, sorry, um, yeah, just like belonging questions. Um, mm-hmm. How do you feel like uh, you belong in our community at school um, overall? Is it harder now? Because I just did a podcast on loneliness and how how connectivity is making us more lonely. Uh, is are you finding? And I guess here here you two people both in high school who are very active and participating uh, participating in all this stuff, but in generally are are people. Young people getting their face out of the phones and talking to each other? Is that what you hope for? Is that what you mean by belonging? Yeah. Um, when we look at the statistics, um, compared to the 2021 Youth Impact Survey, um, level of life satisfaction has gone up by 7 percentage points. Um, the sense of belonging in their community has also gone up by, um, what is it, 7 percentage points too. Um, so we're seeing that youth are starting to have more of a sense of belonging in their community. Uh, but to answer your question about getting our faces out of our phones, um, I'm not sure about the 2021 statistics, but for the 2023 statistics, I, I believe it's around like 10 hours a day that we spend on our devices. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting statistics. Uh, one that I would like to focus on too is uh, the mental health statistic. Um, mm-hmm. so back in 2021, um, there hasn't been a lot of difference. Uh, there's 55% of youth describe their mental health as positive. positive. And that's been the same since 2021. We thought that it would get better um, since COVID isolation is now uh, lessened, um, but it stayed the same, which is very interesting. Wow. Um, so this survey results, you said Monday. Is that just out or this coming Monday that impact results are out? Yeah, so the survey results came out this Monday, so January 22nd. Right, right. Okay, so uh, can people view these and especially youth? Yes, of course. They can check out the CYPT website. Uh, that is cyptwr.ca. Um, they can check out the statistics on there. Um, and, yeah. Uh, Keon Mirzai, thank you so much. Uh, Hanyan Zir, thank you as well. Appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank you. And Allison Peterson, uh, Pearson, excuse me, Allison Pearson, uh, the manager, uh, just to wrap up with you as well, uh, 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 Boy, some amazing young people out there. Absolutely, absolutely. And hearing firsthand from them about their lives is is very important. And it's also important to remember, like, these are, these are the folks who are the experts in their lives. And so we're thrilled to have a project like the Youth Impact Survey, which starts by collecting their voices so we can all appreciate what well-being is like for young people in our community. But then we take it to a next step, Larry, in the coming months where we'll be back out to young people in sense-making conversations, which means we're talking about what would meaningful action look like for change, and then helping our decision-makers, those who hold power in our systems, to understand what young people are looking for and working for a, a better community. We're talking. That's I, I like that. I like that we're talking about it. Of course, action afterwards, but just you know, getting the conversation going is great. Uh, Allison, thank you so much for your time as well. Thank you, Larry. Allison Pearson is a manager at the Children and Youth Planning Table of Waterloo. And you heard uh, two wonderful people there, Keon 
Mirzai and uh, Hanya Nazir, who are youth connectors with the organization about the 2023 Youth Impact Survey. More on this in a moment on City News 570. We can all appreciate what well-being is like for young people in our community, but we take it to a next step in the coming months where we'll be back out to young people in sense-making conversations, which means we're talking about what would meaningful action look like for change and then helping our decision-makers, those who hold power in our systems, to understand what young people are looking for and working for a better community. Alison Pearson there. I'm Larry Fedorik, in for Mike Farwell. If you just join us, we talked to Allison, who's the manager of the uh, Children's Youth and uh, Planning Tribe, Table, Tribe, Larry, Table. Oh, maybe they're a tribe, I don't know, it's fine. Table, I'll start again, Children's Youth Planning Table of Waterloo. And during that interview, we also talked with a couple of the youth connectors, because it's not just... Uh, this this t- youth table is obviously not just adults saying, here, kids, this is what's good for you. Although as adults, we do that all the time. I get it. Uh, but they have youth connectors, uh, in this case, a couple of high school students that we had on who are uh, involved in that impact survey as well, so that it's not just adults talking to youth. It's youth talking to youth about youth and youth issues and problems and health. And uh, thank you to uh, Anya Nazir and uh, Keon Mirzai for joining us as well during that interview. Um, anytime I talk to um, young people, especially in high school who are already engaged and involved, I'm, I just feel better. I don't know about you, but I, I just feel better. It's like, yeah, there, there's some, there's some great young people out there uh, uh, marching to, to the future. And yeah, cause it's so much like, my kids are grown now, but I, I, I often think, boy, would I want to have tweens or high schoolers right now today? Yeesh, man, that's got to be so much tougher than when my kids were in high school and probably uh, my parents felt the same way. And, you know, when, when I was in high school, so it, it's, it is a pretty tough time. And it's really to me, to me, because of the connectivity, connectivity is, is the game changer. That's, that's what's really super different, as as we know. And so it's not just about that, but that's the big contributor. And we, we were talking about that, and I think it was uh, Keon who said uh, the latest survey said that we spend about, or they, the, the youth that they surveyed, spend about 10 hours a day on their uh, uh, devices. And which, okay, that's, if you're awake 16 to 17 hours a day, 10 is really a lot. But And not all of that is bad. Not all of that is bad. Uh, as... You know, schools now will say you can't use your cell phones during class unless it's to aid in learning. Uh, that means they don't want you, you know, playing zookeeper battle or or, or t- watching TikTok videos. But if you have to look something up, that may help your. So 10 hours a day is a lot. Is it too much? I don't know. I don't know how much time I spent in front of a screen when I was young. It was probably too much. And now there's more screens. There's just way more screens and more available on them. So ten hours, uh, what of that? What of that is a waste or something silly? I don't know. I don't know. It's not all bad. Is all I'm saying. Ten hours a day sounds like a lot. It's not all bad. So that's one of the big issues facing youth because, as opposed to, you know, the the classic example they say about the bully bullying you in the schoolyard and you run home and. Lock yourself in your room, and at least you're safe there for a while. Now, online, those bullies follow you right into your into your home, you know. And and it's interesting because the median 
age of the world is 30. In fact, I just found out lately. So in general terms, half the world is over 30, half the world is under 30. Connectivity, uh, Google, Facebook, all of that has been around. The home computer as a device, about 30 years. The smartphone as we know it, about 15, although technically the smartphone is was around in the 80s. But as we know, the smartphone today, about 15 years old. So there, there we have up almost up to half the population and certainly youth, high schoolers, 18 under, who this has always been their world. This is, this, this is the world that exists that's always been. It's the way it always was. For us who are over 30, as myself, um, the, the, it's, it, it can still be new to us. For them, it's just, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. And we've got to deal with it. It's part of their, part of the challenge of now being a youth trying to make your way in the world. So uh, really my compliments. And, uh, this is things like this, like this youth survey and the youth and planning table. To me, this is like we're living in a society that takes care of each other. That's because we have to do that. So. Sure, glad to have them on to talk more about that. I'm Larry Fedorik, in for Mike Farwell today. This is City News 570. Coming up on the program, oh, it's uh, Larry Fedorik sitting in for Mike Farwell. If the voice sounds a little non-Mike Farwell-ish, and you're like, who is this guy? Uh, it is my uh, fortune to fill in for Mike uh, here, here and there. I was thinking about this, too, before the show that in March, it'll be two years, I think. Mm, happy anniversary. Uh, in March, it'll be two years uh, since I started filling in for Mike on the here and on the there, you see. And uh, one of the reasons I do so uh, is when Mike has to travel with the team and can't really do a show and travel, and and that happens occasionally And um, as the voice of the Rangers. So uh, I'll be here today and tomorrow, and then uh, Mike back on uh, Monday. Nevertheless, I'm going to turn it over to you after 11.30 on our flip side. We've got a good question for you today, I think. Uh, the Oscar nominations came out this week, so I was kind of inspired by that about the movie. Because I've heard people say this, and I've had this experience too. It's just a it's a remote dropper. You're flipping around the channels. Do people still flip around the channels, or do you just schedule everything? I still flip. I still flip. I I mean, I, I, I have streaming services and I have on demand and I have stuff that on a, on a PDR, but I like the flipping too. I like the flipping. And if, and if there's a movie on or if I'm looking at the schedule and it's like, Oh, this movie's on. Okay. Boom. Done. Don't care what else is on. Don't care. Should be watching news. The world is crumbling. Nope. This, the Godfather is on. I must watch it. So what's that movie for you? That's our flip side question coming up after 1130 and uh, at noon today, uh, of course, as uh, noon every day, Monday through Friday, it's the uh, 12 o'clock talk back hour, 12 uh, 12 o'clock talk back. And uh, that's where we open it up entirely to you. You know, we've spent a couple of different segments today talking about youth. We were just talking with the youth impact survey for Waterloo in uh, 2023, which you can go online and and look at it's it's comforting to me as i said to see youth that are engaged in their own uh, society if you will that's not going to be everybody but uh, this youth planning table in waterloo has uh, a lot of youth connectors on it so as i said it's not just adults talking to youth it's youth talking to youth about their health mental social physical 
their belonging, their well-being, all of that really important stuff that we have to do. Earlier on in the show, we were talking about the Canadian Pediatric Survey. It's now kids, kids, kids. Um, but I think it's, I think they relate because the Canadian Pediatric Society survey that came out today basically said, get kids outdoors, get them to play, get them to climb trees again, get them to toboggan and get them to, uh, I know as parents, we all try, we sign the kids up for dance and soccer and hockey and whatever we can do, but just to get out and play. I don't know that it's ever going to be an in my day situation. We all have the story. Some, well, some of us have the story where we left the house in the morning and we were all was it expected is, you know, we they were home for dinner. And if we weren't after a couple of days, they might come looking for us. But, uh, I probably shouldn't kid about that part, but no, it's, it's, I don't know if we'll ever go back to that day, but we've, we've gone too far the other way. So if we've realized through all of our technology and everything that our kids and our youth, uh, teens and aren't perhaps as, um, healthy as we were in some ways, in some ways, though all the technology is fantastic. We're not going to, we're not going to stop technology. So instead, let's just, reaffirm human connections. That's kind of been the theme of those two things today that we talked about. Nevertheless, uh, here we are, human connections, and I'm talking about sitting around watching a movie. Yeah, that'll be our flip side question when we return here on City News 5-7. Here's special guest host, Larry Fedorik. On the flip side, that's what we're doing, the flip side, every Thursday at this time. I've, I've guest hosted for Mike before on Thursday and always enjoyed the flip side and come up with a random question uh, and uh, ask you to to uh, fill in the blank. So the, the flip side question today, it's, it's I, I've been working all morning on making this a very clean, simple question. I can't seem to do that, so I'll just I'll just throw it out there. What's the remote dropper? What's the movie? And it's a movie I'm looking for where you, as soon as you come across it, that's what you're watching. And it's inspired by the Oscar nominations this week. Uh, my, my two that I, I've seen nothing. I just, I feel terrible. I've seen nothing. It's my own fault. I just haven't really scheduled my movie time, even though many of the movies that I would like to see are available in my home. For a reasonable rental price for 48 hours. And and isn't that great when you usually when you rent a movie uh, at home that's available on your service, it's for uh, a couple of days. So that makes it even easier to watch. Do I do it? No, I don't know why. So anyway, but Oppenheimer and Barbie, you know, the Barbenheimer, I I want to complete that at least by uh, what is it? March the 4th or is it the 10th Uh, Oscars, right? So uh, I don't know why I I, just, I really don't care that much about the Oscars. I find myself it's just a a, a habitual thing year to year. I kind of at least somewhat interested care about the Oscars. Uh, I probably care more about the Oscars than many of the movies themselves. Um, and I've I, it's been years since I've watched the entire spectacle. It's you don't have to. That's the other thing about it. It's like the Super Bowl. You don't have to watch the halftime show. You don't have to watch the ads. You don't have to watch the game. The next day, all the highlights will be somewhere. 
Uh, same with the Oscars, you know. So I never really last that long at the Oscars, but at least I'm interested. So Oscar nominations were out this this week and a lot of great movies there. Are they still making classics? Like, I, I guess some of these movies will be will be classics for the demographic in five years, 10 years, 20 years. Uh, are there movies out there in the last couple of years that they're that will survive the test of time? Will they make it 20, 30 years? I don't, I don't know. Anyway, what's the movie uh, that you have to watch because it's on? As soon as you come across it on the schedule or on the remote, it's like, that's it, drop the remote. I'm watching this movie. Uh, I have several. Um, the main one would be The Godfather. One or two. Doesn't matter. Prefer one. Love two, but I'm just saying prefer one. Uh, just a classic. What is that movie for you? That's the flip side question. Five. See what I mean? It's too long a question, but it's what I had. Five one nine five seventy twenty five forty five. Five one nine five seventy twenty five forty five. One eight hundred five seventy fifty seven fifteen. It's toll free. One eight hundred five seventy fifty seven fifteen, or star five seventy on your cell. So. My bad thing is that I also do is as soon as there's a movie that I like, especially if it's a classic, uh, and it, it comes up on a recordable channel, I PVR it. I record it immediately. And I built up this huge bank of PVR movies, like 30. And then I had a, then I had a crash. The box crashed and, Interestingly, and this drives me crazy because I know they could do it, is if if your box absolutely crashes and they need to replace your, your TV box, if you still have one of those, they can't retrieve your PVR. That's what they say. I think it's BS. I think they probably could. And how simple it would be to have a service is, well, your box doesn't work, but that that data of the godfather and Rear Window, and To Kill a Mockingbird, and The Odd Couple, and Young Frankenstein, and The Big Lebowski, those that data is on the box. We can retrieve it, send it to a cloud, put in the new box, and then put the data back from the cloud back into your new box. Wouldn't that make sense? Wouldn't that probably not take that long and also wouldn't require a big amount of storage on your service provider's cloud because they're just putting it up there for a few minutes until the new box is installed and then they reinstall. So, um, you know, and it's not just movies and things like maybe you recorded uh, a newscast from television that time your kid was on TV because the TV news was at your kid's arena and your kid was on TV and you recorded it. And that's gone because your box crashed and they can't seem to upload the data and then download it back to you. Um, it took me years to get these 30 and then my, and then they had a crash. They just crashed and everything was gone. And I wept <laughs> because now, some of these movies, like, for example, the original Odd Couple, okay? I call it the original, the movie. The original was a stage play, I guess. But the the movie with Matt Bowen Lemon is a classic to me. I could just watch it every day. 
I bet you I could watch it every day for like two months before I got bored. Ridiculous, I know, but that's just me. I, I could watch it and I, it's just nowhere. It's, it's not coming up anywhere. Oh yeah, I can, I can rent it for $6.99. But that's where I'm like, you screwed me because now all these movies that I used to have at, on my PDR for free, now I got to pay $6.99. I don't mind doing that occasionally, but not every night, not every night. So, and some of these movies just aren't anywhere. Like, Young Frankenstein, I, it's just gone. I mean, yeah, I guess I could rent it too, but it's, um, so there, to me, there, it's almost like, I, I don't want to say conspiracy. They did it on purpose, but it's like they did it on purpose. So I don't have these movies for free anymore. I have to pay for them over and over again because I've recorded them and now that's gone. So I've built up my PDR again, not back to where it was, but at least I've built it up. So the other bad thing I do is I'll flip around. And if a movie doesn't grab me right away or something, I'm back to, uh, what's on PDR? Mm, stand by me. Yeah, you just watched that two nights ago. Yeah, but I'll just watch this one part again. And then you watch the whole thing. What's that movie for you? Let us know. I don't know if this is getting any, any wheels turning or not, but that's our flip side question. We'll see if we can get some answers from somebody in just a moment. Be right back. I'm Larry Fedorik, sitting in for Mike Farwell today, and I'll be honest, sometimes the flip side question is a collaborative effort, or sometimes they just say, Larry, what, what kind of question you're filling in? What kind of question would you like to ask? And I come up with one, and maybe I came up with the worst question. I don't know. But what's, what's your, basically, it's what's your favorite movie? What's a classic movie that you have to watch just because it's on? And the movie question inspired by the Oscar nominations this week, which we sort of care about, I guess, still, the Oscar nods. Although I, I don't know what what an Oscar nomination or a win does for a movie anymore. I don't know that it's like, ooh, everybody's got to see this. Never heard of this movie, but it's nominated. I better go. We don't do that as much anymore, do we? Because it's we wait for it to stream into our into our homes, right? Even the big ones like Oppenheimer and, and Barbie on that one weekend, the Barbenheimer weekend of 2023, I was like, yeah. And and Barbie's free. Bar, I have a I have a streaming service. Uh, well, I, I believe it's on Crave. Um, I'll just give him a plug. Crave, I have Crave, and uh, Barbie's on Crave, and it's free. So Oppenheimer, I'd have to rent for 7 bucks. Do you have a favorite movie that you have to watch just because it's on? That's the flip side question. It may be the worst question ever because nobody nobody has a favorite movie. I can't believe that. 519-570-2545. 519-570-2545. 1-800-570-5715. Or Star 570 on your cell. I also did North by Northwest. There's another one. I just watched that. Uh, not because it was on, because it was on my PVR. And uh, it was near the bottom. So I, I guess I didn't scroll down that far. But I just kept scrolling down my PVR, not even the channels. And I went, ooh, North by Northwest. I have to watch this. Uh, now, who who is this? I can't read this. Is this? Oh, it's Grant. Sorry, I didn't see the whole thing. Here's Grant. Grant, go ahead. My all-time favorites goes back way back, and that's the Maltese Falcon. Oh, I'd love to see that again. Yeah, I, I saw that a number of years ago at the Princess Cinema, and I, I really enjoyed it. And I know in the past I've watched... Uh, 
the Star Wars movie, you, the the original one, and you know what you 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 think you know what's happening, and then oh really? Oh, that happened. It <laughs> kind of blows your mind, and now and like you said, you we got those special channels, uh, Hollywood Suites, so a bunch of you pay five dollars a month for that. So, you know what? There'll, there'll be movies on there that you could uh, watch. And it does sound like they could probably, like you said, for your PVR, that they they could probably search it if they really wanted to. But they're yeah. probably thinking, ah, it, it, it's a bunch of baloney. Right. Uh, Grant, thanks for the call. Uh, Hollywood Suite, I, I like and I have it. Uh, and when you get Hollywood Suite, you also get Hollywood Suite on demand. Just like if you get HBO, you also get HBO on demand. So if if it's not on, theoretically, you could just go on demand and find your movie and just watch it there. But that's too much work. I'm still from the school of I got to watch it because it's on. Here's Sean. Uh, Sean, go ahead. You're on City News 570. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm pretty good, thanks. Well, okay, try not to laugh, okay? My favorite movie, I need, there's a movie I love. It, it's an early movie with Patrick Stewart. It's called Life Force. Hmm, don't know if I know it. it. Is, Sounds interesting. It's so schlocky. It's from <laughs> 1985, and they find this alien spacecraft trailing in the coma of uh, Halley's Comet. Oh. And they're sort of like these space alien vampire things. Oh, yeah. And it's Patrick Stewart? Yeah, well, he, he's one of the people that, that's in it. He's not even the star at this point. Right. Like I said, it is so schlocky. It basically destroyed London. Wow. Yeah. Give me the title again. I might have to find this. Yeah, I said it's called Life Force. Life Force. It's based on the space vampires by a guy called Colin Wilson. It's it uh, the star like Steve Railsback, Peter Firth, Matilda Mays in it too. Like I said, it's uh, like I said, it's it's such a schlocky film. I I just love that movie. Yeah, that's that's one of those movies that's embarrassing. You don't let anybody else know you're watching it. <laughs> well, you just did, but I know I what know, you mean. I know I, know. I but, just did on the air and everything. <laughs> but Sean, thanks for the call. I appreciate that. You know, sometimes that's schlocky and and campy, and that's. Sometimes what makes movies cult classics, because they're not the best, and that's the enjoyment of it, partly, in some cases. Here's Chris. Chris, go ahead. You're on City News 570. We're talking about movies. Yes. So there's one movie. I actually have the VHS copy. I have a DVD version. But whenever it comes on TV, I have to watch it. And I, it's like you said earlier. I'm like, I just want to watch this one part. And then right. it's like, well, no, I'll just wait one. No, the next part's good. The next part's good. And I end up watching the whole movie. And the movie is The Godfather. I'm with you on that one. Yeah, I just, yeah. even though I've seen it so many times, it, every every piece is so amazing. So that'd be the one that I could, like you say, I just... One, you know, you wait, okay, at the hospital scene, I'll wait for that. And then it's yeah. like, okay, no, no, I'll, I'll wait now till they're in the bar. And then I'll wait for, right? and it's just, it just never ends. It's so, so well done. So that's. And then that's the credits, one. the credits are rolling and there you are. Yeah. And there I am. 
three hours gone. Been there. Been there. (laughs) Thank you, Chris. I appreciate that. And thank you as being a fellow Godfather fan. The other thing is when you, when you um, watch a movie 50 times and in the 43rd time, you notice something you've never noticed before. Sometimes you get those experiences and those are fantastic too. Uh, so Jim, we'll come to you next. We're on break, but Jim, hang on. I want to hear, uh, your, uh, idea on the flip side question, the movie that you have to watch just because it's on here on city news, five seventy. I'm Larry Fedorik in for Mike Farwell flip side question today, inspired by the Oscar nominations earlier this week. What is the movie that you have to watch just because it's on here? It is. Everything stops. I'm watching this Jim has been patiently waiting. Hey, Jim, go ahead. You're on City News 570. Good morning. Anyway, my favorite movie would be um, The Quiet Man. Ooh, okay. The Quiet Man, give me more information. Okay, it's a John Wayne movie with Maureen O'Hara. Uh, oh, my gosh. All his cohorts from most of his movies, like oh, Victor McLaughlin, Board One, Ward Bond, sorry, um, Barry Fitzgerald, all that kind of thing. And it's just about a fellow that uh, was born in Ireland, goes back to uh, the States with his mother, is brought up there, and then he's coming back home to buy his, um, the homestead where he was born. And then the whole story kind of revolves through that. It's very, very good, well acted. Um, I think John Ford was the director. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I have seen this. I forgot the Ireland connection. The Quiet Man, right. Okay. There's yeah, a good one. more, too, that I would, you know, stop things to look at as well. But uh, that probably my most favorite. Almost guaranteed to be on TCM on uh, St. Patrick's Day. There you go. There you go. So you can appointment television once a year. There you go. Hey, Jim, that's a great one. Thank you so much. Didn't expect that one. Hey, did you ever have this situation where... You're going through the schedule and you see a movie and it's like uh, Pulp Fiction. And you're like, oh, I'm taping this. And you record the whole thing and then you sit down to watch it and the channel is like AMC and it's all bleeped and they go to commercials. And you're like, oh, I can't watch this this way. It wasn't made to be watched this way. No movie is, <laughs> you know. Um, here's uh, 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 Jim... Uh, 2.0. Hey, Jim, go ahead. Hello. Hey, go ahead. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Very good. Very good. I would have to say mine would be uh, Bridge on the River Kwai. Oh, that, I love that movie. Uh, that one I've seen probably 15, 20 times. It's just um, amazing that, the, that what they all had to go through. And, and and you talk about a, a young William Holden in that. That's got to be one of his first big parts in Hollywood. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, that's a good one. And and Alec Guinness, of course, and all that. Wow, that's great one. That's a good one. Thank you, Jim. Uh, for the longest time, I, I think I watched Bridge on the River Kwai maybe six times in my life before I went. Okay, so why? Why is he so bent on building a bridge for the enemy? And and then you then I sort of got into it more and went, that's the that's the key storyline is the 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 battle between doing something right and fighting in a war. On, uh, anyway, it is a great classic movies and and one of the great 
um, special effects of the day of of the bridge and the train. And I won't say more just in case you want to watch it. But all right. Well, that worked out a little better than, uh, than I thought. Thank you. The flip side question. What's that movie that you must watch? Uh, we can continue that or whatever else is on your mind because it's the 12 o'clock talk back hour. What do you want to say? That's coming up next here on City News 570. Here's special guest host, Larry Fedorik. Hey, the McRib. What a great news story that we just heard on City News 570. They're bringing back the McRib at McDonald's. I was just thinking the other day, unrelated, about the, uh, what do they call it? The McPizza? Remember when McDonald's had pizza? And I remember it being pretty good. Pretty good. Like, it was okay. Like, not bad. Okay. <laughs> it's diminishing now, my compliments on the McDonald's pizza, but it was okay. Uh, there's a very old joke. I don't think it's offensive, so I'm going to share it. Um, why is pizza like sex? Because even when it's bad, it's still pretty good. And and that's kind of where, uh, can you really have a bad, bad pizza? You can have a great pizza, but there's really no bad pizza because it's pizza. But the McRib... I don't know they'll ever bring back pizza. I think it's just too much out of their uh, out of their ken, you know. But the McRib is coming back. Isn't that interesting? All right. Maybe you want to talk about that. Maybe you, you have some leftover answers from the flip side thing about the movies. Uh, it's the talk back hour. What would you want to talk about? Here is Howard. Howard, go ahead. You're on the air. Yes, it's uh, the movie is called A Man Called Horse. It, it what it establishes frontier time, and some rich Englishmen come over to do hunting, and the Indians kill everybody but him. They capture him, bring him back, and treat him like an actual dog, and then like a slave, the women, and then he becomes a warrior and a hero, and it is excellent. It's an English guy. I can't remember his name. <laughs> I think it's here. He's been since gone. But a man. I think it's Richard Ford. Harris. Is it not Richard Harris? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I I recommend it to everybody. I remember the title well. Haven't seen it for a while. Good one. Thank you very much, Howard. Scary that I remembered that it was Richard Harris. Like, why is that piece of information still in my brain? My brain is full. I need to forget things in order to remember other things. But yet I know within a second that Richard Harris was a man called Horace. Because I remember there was a big movie when it came out. It was a big deal. And Richard Harris was a big deal. And here's Richard Harris, this amazing actor, who somehow has a big hit song with MacArthur Park. Like that, like he could sing as well. And how does this make any sense at all? But anyway, it was Richard Harris. That's maybe why I remember him, because he was a multi-talented individual. Uh, what would you like to talk about? It's the talk back hour. You give me a call with what's on your mind. 519-570-2545. It's the whole hour. So think about what you want to say. 1-800-570-5715 is toll free star 570 on your cell. Uh, you know, some of the things we've been talking about today, I started the show talking about the hockey Canada story where London police are going to press charges against uh, five individuals involved in the 2018 alleged uh, sexual assault. I'm saying alleged because that is the legal term that we must use um, until proven in a court of law. Uh, the names are out there. I'm not going to say them. If you're calling me to talk about this and you know the names, please don't say them. I don't think we have the 
the, um, the, the backup information to confirm that these are the names. I will just tell you five names are out there that ESPN has reported as players who've asked for and been granted indefinite leaves of absence from their organizations. Four of those organizations are, or should I say three, are teams in North America for the NHL uh, that involve four players. Uh, the fifth player is a former NHL or playing in Europe. And these five names are all also, also on the roster of that 2018 team. As I mentioned earlier, they should name them, uh, to take the, uh, take the heat off the other players who were on that team that year and had nothing to do with this, who are probably now, Hey, you were on that team. Was that you? You know what I mean? Um, let the innocent be innocent and and let the guilty face the charges or at least the suspects face the charges, shall I say? Uh, Grant, go ahead, Grant. You're on the talk back hour. Yeah, is it just, just going to be you and me? It doesn't, doesn't look like no one's calling you up today. I don't know what's wrong with I, I, We just had about 10 callers, Grant. Grant, right. I just talked to 10 different people. All right. Uh, I just started watching this team this past weekend and Lamar, Lamar Jackson, I, my goodness, he can really move fast. I, uh, who is this? I didn't hear you. Well, say again. Yeah, that's okay. Lamar Jackson, the quarterback oh. for the Ravens. Right, right, yes. Yeah, kind of a suitable name because of how quickly he can maneuver. He's, I would say there's three quarterbacks that can maneuver quite well, like Mr. Mahone. Uh, Mr. Uh, Josh Allison, he he likes to bounce off of people, and this, like I said, Mr. Uh, Jackson, he's he's a fast fast guy. The best place you should go get pizza, give him some business, is Red Swan Pizza. They they've been around here, I think, about two or two or three years. They're right on Victoria Street. That's it. Okay. All right, Grant. Thank you very much again for the call. I um, Interesting that when a quarterback style comes in, suddenly that's the style. Like now you need a quarterback who can run for not just three or four yards for the first down, but can break it open for 20 or 25 if they need be. And who was that that started that? Was it Kaepernick or was it somebody before that? I mean, there's been quarterbacks like that throughout time, but now there's a, there's more of them. And that's, I, I don't watch a lot of NFL. I certainly try and get involved in the playoffs. By involved, I mean start watching some games and stuff just so that I can watch a little bit of the Super Bowl and enjoy it on on a level. It's it's hard not to at least be involved in football with, the, with Taylor Swift this year again. Uh, well, I shouldn't say again, but um, throughout both halves of the season uh, with, uh, what's his name, Kelsey, from, uh, and I'm blanking on Kelsey's name. I always wanted to, he's Travis Kelsey. Um, but, so there's that. It's just kind of an, it's just kind of a cultural story. But Mahomes on KC, I just, I've always liked that guy. I just think he's just a real solid guy. <laughs> and somebody you could cheer for. And then, of course, the Bills, like the perennially cursed Bills. They get so far, and then, no, wide right. So, anyway, don't want to talk football. 
unless you want it. I mean, if that's part of your thing, if you'd like to talk football. Grant was talking about pizza, too. He just twigged, uh, tweaked, I guess, a memory for me. I've never seen this since. When I was going to college, university, uh, we had a local pizza company. You know how uh, when you get pizza in a box, they put the little plastic Barbie table in the middle uh, so that the box doesn't sag down onto the pizza? We had um, a pizza company when I was growing up, we used to order from, that put a ball of pizza dough there and baked it right into the pizza. And the ball of pizza dough in the middle was there instead of the plastic table. And I I was like, why doesn't anybody do that anymore? And that was like our little treat. We used to sort of flip for who got that big piece of dough in the middle, you know? Little ball of dough, baked dough in the middle. Hmm. Not a good idea. It's a good idea, isn't it? No, it's a good idea. Here's Mark. Mark, you're on the uh, talk back hour. Go ahead. Hi, Larry. Uh, going back to your movies. Yep. Um, anything Clint Eastwood. I, I liked all his movies. Dirty Harry, uh, when he was the uh, uh, big bad uh, and the ugly, um, Million Dollar Baby. I can go on and on about Clint Eastwood. Loved all his movies, Larry. Yeah, I mean, has he ever gotten a, the big Lifetime Achievement Award? He should. I like, would think a, so. And, and also, Larry, he's going to be pushing 90, eh? No, he's 92 or 3. Okay, I thought so. Yeah, because you had oh, yeah. that list going on. Yeah, he's he's up there. He's already in into his 90s. Okay, one more thing, Larry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, tomorrow is uh, music uh, music day for your station. Uh, everybody puts in requests. And I've noticed you always cut the songs off really short. Okay. So can you let them go for at least 30 seconds or so? Uh, tomorrow? Uh, 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 all right, I'll see what I can do about that. Okay, Remember, I'm just Mike, f- Mike always does that, and that's why people put in requests. Okay, all right. Okay, thanks, Mark. Thanks, Larry. Okay, man. Remember, I'm the fill-in guy. The fill-in guy doesn't really call any shots at all. Got no sway. (laughs) Got no influence. Just uh, what? But okay, we'll we'll see what we can do about that till uh, tomorrow. Yeah, Clint Eastwood. I I don't. I don't want to look it up now because I'll never get back to my original screen here. Probably I got like twenty screens open. Uh, But I know from my list that I keep that I keep up to date of people ninety and over. Famous people, of course, well-known people. Even if they're kind of well-known, like Nana Muscuri. Anybody remember Nana Muscuri? Me and one other guy from Greece. Uh, Nana Muscuri, big singer, famous because she was a female superstar, but she had wore glasses. Like, women didn't wear glasses to be attracted. Like, that was in the day. But she had glasses. And a beautiful voice, beautiful voice. Uh, she's going to be 90 this year. So I keep a list. Clint Eastwood well into us. Although, I watch... Uh, if you go on Facebook, I'm still on Facebook, and on the left there is videos. If you click on videos, it just plays nothing but videos for you. Scroll through videos. And um, the Clint Eastwood Dirty Harry clips that come on are are kind of uncomfortable in some cases. Uh, like the the spaghetti western stuff he's in, classic and and so is the dirty hairy stuff but the dirty hairy stuff is just i don't know if they survived the test of time that's all i'm saying i enjoy watching them but i'm 
I'm like, ooh, they said that? They could do that in the movies then? I don't know. It's the talk back hour. Whatever you want to talk about, it's uh, on you. And uh, who do we have here? Hold on a second. Is it Marino? Hello. Marino, go ahead. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. You talk about football a bit. The Baltimore Ravens, there's a young kid from Guelph by the name of Tavius Robinson that plays for the uh, Ravens, and he's actually doing pretty good. He played uh, locally here, played at the University of Guelph, and then when COVID hit, he uh, did a video of himself and sent it down to the U.S. colleges and got um, got a call from Old Miss and wound up playing down there for a couple of years and then got drafted. Wow, what a great story. Yeah. All right, and what's his name again? Another thing, if I can, Larry, you keep talking about uh, the police should name those five young fellas. Um, it's a legal issue. If they haven't issued a warrant or actually laid the charges, they can't name them yet. Uh, the police can't, but you think the media would, or is it the same issue, do you think? It's the same issue. If the, if the okay. media names them, and especially if one of them happened to be under 18 when the incident happened, they could really get some serious, serious trouble. There's a great point on the under 18, yeah, for sure. Yeah, which I agree with, by the way, on the under 18. I, I, I agree with that a lot. But, Marino, thanks. That's a great point. Thank you for the call. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just think of them now as adults of thriving players in the NHL. In one case, former NHL are playing in Europe. But these, these other four play in the NHL now and probably make a lot of money and are thriving in their career and have never been called to task for what they are alleged to have done. Uh, but Marino makes a couple of good points there about age and about legality. So the names, though, where um, where the same rules don't apply in the States in, at ESPN, at ESPN, if you find the story, they'd name the names, if you're that curious to know them. Uh, who's next here? Is it George? George, you're next here on uh, the Talk Back Hour. Go ahead. Yeah, Larry, hey. Hey. Okay, I want to do one of the movies that you have to stop everything when it's on TV. You just have it. It's an epic movie. I believe it came out in 1958, The Ten Commandments. Ooh, really? (laughs) I know it's a long one. I've seen it so many times, but I still stop everything when I see it's on. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. George, thanks for the call. I don't know. I don't know. You know what I realized? I realized I'm way late for a break. We'll be back. Kyle, hang on. We'll be right back. Larry Fedorik in for Mike Farwell, and Kyle is on the Talk Back Hour. Go ahead, Kyle. Thanks for waiting, by the way, and go ahead. Yep. I'm calling from Molesworth, Upper Canada. I was told, oh, right. my, I told by Mike that he likes to know where his callers are coming from. So, because I'm a delivery driver, every day changes for me. It could be in Molesworth, I could be in St. Catharines, I could be in Beamsville. <laughs> it doesn't matter where I am. Um, Clint yeah. Eastwood, I, he, he's that old, eh? 94 years old, eh? He right. is a legend. Like, that guy is, like, they need to do something for him because his movies, I watched... Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. The, um, oh, oh my gosh! Well, he had the one, the you know, Grand Torino was an amazing movie, and then there's right. the other one that I forgot, where he was a drug smuggler. Do you remember? It was a newer one, probably came out yeah. just before that pandemic, or maybe it was around the pandemic time. But he was a drug smuggler for the Mexican cartel. Do you remember that? And he was like a 
I don't know if he was a Vietnam War veteran or whatever. I thought he did really good in that movie, too, right? You know, obviously the old, the same Clint Eastwood type of movies that he always does, right? But I always I always enjoy Clint Eastwood, and, you know, that's, that's a legend right there. But anyways, that's all I got to say there. Thanks, Larry. All right, man. I do remember the movie, and uh, I just don't remember the title, which we can get to after the break. I also have, maybe I'll save this till after 1130, but I just heard a, an amazing Clint Eastwood story. Uh, as well that I can share quickly when we get back of more of the Mike Farwell show in a moment on City News 570. Filling in for Mike, I'm Larry Fedorik. Today and tomorrow, Mike's back on Monday. person who tweaked the story for me. I'm sitting here looking at the time, wondering if I have time for the story now or should I save it to after the 1130 News? I've decided to save it to after the 1130 News. It's an amazing story. I've I've only heard it recently about an individual who I will name. And and when I heard the story, it was a reliable source, but I still looked it up as I always do in second and third and fourth. And I was like, yeah, this is a true story. This happened. How come how come everybody doesn't know this happened? Because it's pretty amazing. So I decided to save that to kick off the next half of our talk back hour. And it won't be that long a story. I just don't have time for it here. Uh, because the talk back hour is about you talking back, not about me telling a story. But I do have that quick story for you coming up. Plus, more of your calls. It's uh, up to you. What do you want to talk about when the talk back hour returns here in a few seconds on City News 570? Here's special guest host, Larry Fedorik. All right, I'll try and make this quick because it's the talk back hour and, and we want to hear from you. But this, somebody mentioned this earlier and I just heard this recently. So a young guy, it's like circa 1950 or early 50s, maybe I think it is. And a young guy signs up to join the Navy. And um, I don't know if he's going to go to Korea or whatever he thinks he's going to be. But he ends up, his assignment is in, in the base in California. His assignment is, because he's a good swimmer, he's the lifeguard at the swimming pool at the base. Right. Okay. I'm, I'm in the armed forces now. That's his job. But okay. He's earning a living and he's in the, he signed up. Uh, and the armed services guys could fly for free on the Air Corps and the Air Force, um, planes. So he decides he's got a weekend off. He's going to fly, uh, north to California to visit his family for the weekend and then fly back, uh, on Sunday or whatever. So he he's going to do that. He does that. And on the Sunday, he goes to the base to fly home. And the, the plane he thought he'd catch to go home is not there. He's like, you're out of luck, pal. And he's like, well, what am I going to do? I, I, I have to uh, get back. Otherwise, I'll be AWOL. And and that's big trouble. Uh, he goes, well, you go go buy a ticket on an airplane. And he said, I can't afford that. I'm, I have no money. I just, just got in. I barely make a salary. So he doesn't know what to do. He sees this guy uh, at the airbase going to fly a single passenger Skyrider vintage plane back to the base. And he's like, can I catch a ride with you? He's like, no, not really, because uh, it's one passenger. He goes, what about the little cargo hold in there? I can squash up in there. And he's like, no, no. And he, anyway, he talks him into it. So they take off. Anyway, they have to dump the plane in the Pacific to make this story short. They they crash in the Pacific. Somehow they both survive. They get flotation devices or a piece of, anyway, somehow they float and they start paddling to what they think is the shore. And it's a couple of days, man. And they finally find some little uh, shoreline with a lighthouse on it. And and they can't believe they made it. And they've been uh, at sea and, and dehydrated and everything. And they, they thought they were going to die. And they 
they crawl up and they knock on the door of the lighthouse and the guy's like, oh my God, and he sends help and they survive. And the young guy, the swimming instructor, says, uh, you know, after the army, I'll think I'll do something else. And he was Clint Eastwood. And is Clint Eastwood. And I don't know if anybody knows this nearly drowned story of Clint Eastwood when he was a young man, but it's like, not only was he Clint Eastwood, but he's still Clint Eastwood with this amazing um, resume of films from in front and behind the camera. It's amazing. I mean, there's a picture of him getting a, a presidential achievement award, and he looks like an old man, and it's Reagan is the prime minister. So, And bless us, Clint Eastwood's still with us. So that's the story. I thought it was a great story. Look up the details of it if you like. Here's Terry. Terry, you're on the talkback hour. Go ahead. Hey, Terry, got you now. Go ahead. Oh, hey, hey, Larry. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Uh, I noticed you were talking to Grant about uh, Lamar Jackson earlier this this uh, segment. Well, he brought it up, yes. I didn't know much about him, but I know more now. Yeah, you know, uh, Fran Target is probably the first scrambling quarterback. I don't know if you remember him. But he yeah, I do. I, yeah, you're probably right. He did it to save his life. He was kind of running backwards most of the time. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, um, the problem with that, uh, like, I don't think, the thing with Patrick Mahomes, he's not, he's not overly fast. What he is, he's elusive. And he, he does, like, he doesn't take on tacklers or anything like that. He'll usually just slide or run out of bounds. But he is, he's a very smart player. But you got the one that, that comes to mind that was probably the first one that, that started uh, scrambling around using his legs, you know, a, a little more than his arm was Randall Cunningham. And then, uh, and then they didn't want him to get hurt. So um, in the early '90s, and I was at this game in Green Bay. Was they wanted to make him a, a pocket passer? And first game of the season, uh, he got sacked and he blew out his knee. So sometimes that doesn't work. But the thing with these scrambling quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson and uh, Josh Allen, to a lesser extent, is as you get older, you lose your your speed, and then you can't right. be running around like that. So it doesn't like Michael Vick is a perfect example of that. He he, he, he was probably the first one that was really fast. Yeah. And then, you know, he went to jail for a couple of years, came back. He was never the same. He was never as fast because yeah. he was getting older. So you, when, when you get long in the tooth, it, it's hard to maintain that. Lamar Jackson, like, he, he is fun to watch. I love seeing him play because he's very elusive and, and he'll uh, not necessarily take contact with what he does. He does that old Barry Sanders thing where, he, where he'll uh, juke, juke you, like do the head fake and then run by you. But it's, yeah. it'll be interesting to see when he gets into his early, late 20s, early 30s, when the speed's not there, whether, whether he's going to be able to continue to play that that way, which yeah. I doubt, but he's going to have to use his arm a little more. Anyway, Larry, thanks for listening. Great, have a good day. Great points, Terry. Thank you so much. Randall Cunningham, that's a great callback because I would agree with that. He's probably one of the first to be kind of that scrambling quarterback. And and it's interesting, too, when you talk about getting older because, you know, what's Mahomes, 24 uh, 27 you age faster in the nhl or in, in well in the nhl yes and then the nfl too at professional sports it just you know the difference between a 30 year old who's still pretty good and uh an 18 or a 21 year old is is more than a decade you know it's a it's a great number more and and my brother and i talk about this all the time too it's not that we're big sports guys but he's a big motor racing guy that that when you're playing at that level it doesn't matter what sport or activity you're in it's it's they're razor thin margins it's split seconds of this and that being able to react or do a head fake or do whatever you have that when you when you slow down even that split second it's enough to make you great or you know you know the old bit about the the guy 
who finishes first in the hundred meters, you know, by one hundredth of a second, by one hundredth of a second, he is the biggest. He won. He's the biggest star in the world. The guy who finished a hundredth of a second behind never heard of you, never heard of you. It, it's it's the it's the, those are the margins. When you say people get older in professional sports, that's all it takes, really. It's these little little bits of this and that, but uh, interesting. See, I feel I feel a little better prepared because I'm going to watch the playoff games this weekend. Again, I haven't watched the NFL in years, but for the last couple of years, I said, you know what? I'm going to, when the playoffs start, when it's down to like eight teams, I want to get into it a little bit um, and and then watch the Super Bowl. So that's really, the NFL season for me is a month long. It's better. It's just I enjoy it more like that. So now I feel better prepared to watch these weekend's games now that I know this about the Ravens and I already know a little bit about the Chiefs and not too much about the 49ers or or uh, who am I forgetting here? Forgetting somebody. Uh, but nevertheless, well, the Lions, of course, the Lions, yes. Uh, I'm, I'm just cheering for the Lions only because that's got to be one of the longest droughts in sports behind the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? So just want to see something good happen. For Detroit City, yeah. Uh, what's on your mind? It's the talkback hour, the 12 o'clock talkback hour, 519-570-2545, 1-800-570-5715, toll free or star 570 on your cell. More of your calls in a moment. I'm Larry Fedorik, sitting in for Mike Farwell. Uh, again, if you want to... Chime in on our talk back hour. It's 519-570-2545-1-800-570-5715. Toll free, star 570 on your cell. Uh, things we've been talking about today include the Canadian Pediatric Society uh, releasing a uh, report saying get your kids outside, get them tobogganing, get them climbing trees, let kids be kids, let kids out on their own. Talked about that earlier on. Talked about um, this um, Lenore Skenazy out of New York who uh, years ago, she's a columnist for a paper, and she let her nine-year-old go home alone on the subway. She gave him some quarters for the phone because he didn't have a cell phone. She gave him... um, a $20 bill, a couple of subway tickets, and a route map of the subway and talk to them. This is, you take this and this and this, and then you get in trouble, call us. And he did it on his own, and he was, it was the best he ever felt. And she's like, you know what? This is important. And she started an organization called Free Range Kids, where you let kids be kids and let kids do things on their own. I know it's tough, man. It would be scary. if I mean, if I had a, you know, a 9-year-old, 10, 12, 13-year-old, Today, well, thirteen. I don't know. It's you know you can't return back to the days. You know, I was I was a latchkey kid for a while. You know, I was responsible for getting home after school, and both my parents worked. So when I say latchkey, I lived in a small town. We didn't really lock our doors anyway. But but nevertheless, that's the term for it, right? Um, and be home alone and be responsible. And and uh, you know, sometimes I was given chores since since you're home. You can get this started and get that doing and put that on the stove. And I would do, and I don't know, am I a better, more accomplished? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Who's to say what's better, better, you know, and, and who's to say that those times can be replicated today. They probably can't, but just as far as getting our kids out more and 
and teaching them independence and giving them things to do on their own because the helicopter parents have gone the other way. When this woman started Free Range Kids, because when she let her son go home alone on the subway, she wrote about it in her column and people called her the world's worst mom. How dare you in New York City let your nine-year-old get home alone on the subway? She's like, well, you know, I relied on... uh, on strangers to be helpful if he needed them. I relied on uh, his his own savvy to to get home, and um, yeah, it's the kind of things it's the kind of things we did. And when they she started free range kids because people said she's the world's worst mom, so she started free range kids. They do programs in schools and and find kids who are never allowed to use the stove, never allowed to use a sharp knife, and they're twelve. You know, you'd think at some point, you know, peel the potatoes. Here's a peeler. Here's a knife. Um, the kids weren't allowed to walk the dog on their own down the block from their house. Uh, so there's that element. And I guess as with anything, the answer is somewhere in the middle, right? Isn't that usually the case? The answer between letting your kids go out and play in traffic near the jail, uh, <laughs> as opposed to um, uh, just letting them do some things on their own or, or you know, uh, or hovering over them all the time. Somewhere in the middle is the answer. But it was it was interesting to see because I've I've mentioned this before. I do a, a podcast called Later That Same Life, and the new episodes pop every Thursday. And it's every week it's just a, it's like a talk show thing. It's every every time it's different. It's just kind of a, a topic from our lives or a discussion story from our lives, you know. And I did this thing uh, um, a couple of months ago on free-range kids and helicopter parents and all that kind of stuff. So... I was well aware of it, and I knew that it was a big movement in the States, and I thought, boy, who's going to be, you know, we should start talking about about this more in Canada as well. Um, and today, the Canadian Pediatric Society just basically said that, said that that's what we recommend for for kids, to be better youth and then better adults, is get them out there and get them, you know, get them to be responsible. And, you know, on the other side, too, I guess we have some kids that are you know, because of their financial situation, there's for, they have forced responsibility on them maybe a little too early. Uh, but, uh, you know, more resilient than we probably think, huh, our kids? Well, uh, what are your thoughts on this or anything? It's the 12 o'clock talk back hour. Larry Fedorik in for Mike Farwell and more in a moment here on City News 570. Larry Fedorik in for Mike Farwell for the last couple of minutes here on a Thursday. I will be back tomorrow. Mike is traveling with the Rangers, which uh, every, well, a couple of times a season, just the way the travel schedule works out. He can't do both the show and the travel. So um, good for me because that means I get to come in and spend some time with you, which I always enjoy. One story we didn't talk about today at all, maybe you Maybe it doesn't matter to you, but kind of cool for me was that um, John Stewart is returning to The Daily Show. Did you hear this one? Now, it's not for a couple of weeks, and it's Mondays only. And then they're going to have, I haven't really done the, like, I tried uh, Trevor Noah, who I've since come to like just as a host and as an individual and as a comic. Uh, but it was hard to be the guy after John Stewart on The Daily Show. Because if you remember John Stewart and The Daily Show at its height, was that was your 11 o'clock news for a lot of people of a lot of demographics, right? Um, why, why couldn't the news 
have the commentary and the cutting edge and even the humor uh, because he did have the monologue and then a guest and usually a pretty good one. And, and John Stewart, who I've admired for a long time, had the ability to do both, to kind of do the comic and then do the serious uh, chat if need be. And also to bring humor to the serious chat. Uh, but I understand that he, that he, um, that he went on, and then I watched a couple of episodes of his show on on the Apple TV thing, and it was pretty good. Uh, but he's back on the Daily Show, at least. So, uh, you know, and he'll do this, I think, throughout 2024, I guess, for the election cycle. So it'll it'll be nice to have that voice back on a regular basis, don't you think? It's hard, man. It's hard to watch American politics, and it's hard to think that any 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 germ of it is going to come here, you know. Uh, this is not liberal, conservative. This is not right or left. This is extreme right and then countered sometimes by extreme left. And nobody wants that. That's nobody. Hardly. Most of us in the middle here wondering, you know, hey, come on. Um, we don't mind politics. We just don't want the extremism. I think, I think that's most of us. I'm generalizing, but I think that's correct. Uh, so it's, it's just bizarre, weirdo. It's, it's, it's hard to believe. Uh, unless I guess if you're MAGA minded, it's hard to believe that there can be a Donald Trump with the popularity that that he has polling with the numbers he has when there's clearly better alternatives. So I'm interested to see John Stewart's take on this because that's a smart guy. Uh, Bill Maher is good. I mean, I don't mind Bill Maher, but I tell you, I'm watching. Uh, I, I see clips of his podcast. It's called Club Random. And it's a podcast, but there's also visual. And um, he drinks and smokes during the podcast, as does the guest. And he gets kind of hammered. <laughs> it's terrible. It kind of ruined Bill Maher for me. And then I see Bill Maher as a guest on, like, a CNN show or whatever, and he's fantastic. And, but now as a host, I don't know. I don't know if he's the political guy that combines, although some of his segments I'll say are, are smart, clever, well-written, you know, John Oliver kind of fit into that spot too of, of we can watch John Oliver kind of comment on society and what's going on today. But who was our guy for years and years was John Stewart. And he's back on the daily show. Looking forward to that. Anyway, I'm back on this show uh, tomorrow I uh, want to thank you for all the calls, response, the guests, uh, everything, all the things we learned today. Fantastic. Uh, feel better. We can do it again uh, tomorrow. As I said, Mike's traveling with the Rangers, but we'll be back on Monday. And I'll be back in for Mike Farwell tomorrow. Larry Fedoric, talk soon on City News 570.